0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on and now starting an hour earlier welcome inside the radio octagon this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM here's your host Michael Ball
1: and away we go. The show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Thanks to them for getting on board. Our text line, you can weigh in on any of the topics of the day. 936 is our text line. Don't forget the area code 306. It's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. we got a great show lined up normally in this spot here. We uh, get right into it with our pick six, the six top stories of the day. But you can't start a show any better than a two-time Super Bowl champ, one of the stars of the 80s, Jim McMahon joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Two-time Super Bowl winner, one is a starting quarterback with the Bears, and then a backup quarterback behind Brett Favre in uh, Green Bay when they beat New England and uh, Bill Parcells. Jim, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, no worries. How's everything going up there? We're doing great, man. So, first
1: things first, you were supposed to actually do a dinner up the highway in Saskatoon with the U of S Huskies pre-pandemic, but the pandemic kind of threw every uh, threw a wrench into it. I was going to go to that dinner. I'm, I'm sad I missed out on it.
2: Yeah, I was I was looking forward to doing it as well. I, I'd been up there a few years back and, and did a, a similar type dinner and had a he- heck of a good time. So, I was looking forward to coming back and then... Uh, yeah, you know, all this stuff hit and, you know, with your, uh, the guy in charge up there for you guys, I, I don't know if I would have ever gotten back out of there. So <laughs> I'm glad, glad things have uh, calmed down a bit. That's good. I'm glad <laughs> you think along the same way as me. I love it. Uh,
1: okay, Jim. Uh, yeah, when Jim, you, I'm not going to lie to you. I was never a Bears fan, but I was a Walter Payton fan. Who couldn't be? And I was a Jim McMahon fan because of your toughness and your moxie that you just displayed right there. So when did you realize you were the toughest guy on the field? At what point in your life did you realize I'm the toughest guy on the field? Well,
2: I, I... I was able to endure a lot of pain early on in life. And so I think I just carried over. Uh, and I stuck myself in the eye with a fork when I was six years old and that was pretty damn painful. Uh, you know, so i had eye problems all my life. I mean, that's why I've been wearing sunglasses since I was six years old. And so, uh, that in between the, the regular beatings I got from my folks from, from doing, you know, some bad things uh, early on. So, uh, yeah, I learned to deal with a lot of pain, so it didn't really bother me uh, playing through my career.
1: Yeah, no kidding, man. Let
2: me ask you a question
1: because you, you've been pretty open about dealing with the head injuries and other ailments from football. Jim McMahon, do you ever regret playing football?
2: Uh, well, I don't regret it because that's what I did for a living. But I, I would have rather played baseball. That was my first love. That's all I ever wanted to do. But uh, you know, things didn't work out that way, and uh, you know, football is football was great. You know, I played 15 years and, and, uh, played for seven different teams, a lot of great players, a lot of good coaches, some really bad ones, but, uh, I had a hell of a good time and, uh, you know, it's catching up with me now. You know, I've, I've still got some lingering problems. Like you said, my head still bug, bugs me. I have to go back to New York about every four, three to four months to get an adjustment, uh, so I can function properly or normally anyway. And, uh, other than that, you know, I had a, I had an ankle, routine ankle surgery, uh, a year ago, actually 15 months ago, and, uh, ended up getting infected. And so I had to have two more surgeries, and they talked about cutting off my leg. Uh, they saved all that, but, uh, now it's not working still. I'm still not walking. I'm, I'm on a crutch. And so that's been, uh, very, uh, disheartening. But other than that, you know, hanging in there. <laughs>
1: Man, you are tough. Tough's an understatement. Jim McMahon joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Jim, if you could go back in the moment and play one game or one play again, could you? You know, the young Jim McMahon, who had all you know, who could move around freely. What game or play would that be? Can you can you pinpoint
2: one? Yeah, that would be the '88 NFC Championship game against the 49ers uh, in Chicago. You know, we were uh you know, we had the best team or best record in the league that year. We had home field advantage and uh we came out and laid an egg. And unfortunately, you know, that's the Niners went to that Super Bowl, they ended up winning it. And so that that was the one game I'd like to have back because that's that's the only time I ever lost to Joe Montana as well. I was four and one against them and the only loss was the was the big one.
1: Yeah, you know, you were, you know, I would never say you had the gunslinger mentality. uh You were a great quarterback. But I mean, you, you, people talk about Montana and, and quarterbacks like that. What was it like, though, to be the rock star of that team? Like you were the rock star of that team. Peyton, uh, all, all-time Hall of Famer, but you were the face of that team. What was it like back then in the 80s to be the face of the Bears?
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad there wasn't social media back then.
3: <laughs> but, uh, it was,
2: it was nice. I mean, you know, Chicago. The fans have always treated me well. Uh, even you know, even when I came back and played as a as a visitor, uh, the fans have always treated me great. I lived there for 28 years. But, you know, my family was born and raised there, so it's a special place. You know, I got I got out of there about 13 years ago uh, when my youngest son went to college. I said, Hey, I, I've had enough of the cold. I'm going out to Arizona. And here I am been sitting in the cold for the last two months, but uh un-, un unseasonably cold here, but it's starting to warm up again but yeah I-, I-, I enjoyed it it was uh it was a heck of a lot of fun it was a- it's a great town it was a great town you know we-, we got we got some problems there too but uh yeah I- I've always enjoyed chicago w-
1: was it was it ever a pain in the butt though to be that uh that much of a popular figure around there in terms of your personal life? like what's that? A lot of us will never walk in the same shoes you walked in.
2: Well, to get, you know, I, I had my kids, you know, knocked over, you know, people rushing up for autographs, or, or you're sitting with your family at dinner trying to eat, and, you know, the constant stream of people, but, you know, that, that was kind of very frustrating, especially when my kids got, you know, were kind of run over, and then people still want an autograph, and, and when I, I get a little pissed off when, you know, you knock my kids down, so. <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, it, was, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, you know, that's part of the. That's part of it. You know, people. You know, that's, you're, in, you're on television. You're in the newspaper. And people, people know you. And back then, they they know us because we. You know, everybody seemed to have a radio show or a TV show or some kind of commercial, and and so we were we were out in the public more than than most teams were.
1: Jim uh, McMahon joining us here. Tom Brady said he's going to start his broadcasting career with Fox the Super Bowl, but in in, in full uh, in the fall. We're. Were you ever approached about being a broadcaster on a network? Because you really do have the persona or personality to do it.
2: Well, until they can come up with the truth network, then I'm not going to do it. Uh, you got to be able to you know, say what's on your mind or, or say what you know everybody that's watching TV is thinking. And, and uh, these guys can't do it
4: mm-hmm. or
2: they won't do it. And then I have a little bit of Tourette, so that they'd have to be beeping me all the time, too. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you've held it in check here
1: for a few minutes. Hey, uh, Jim, one other thing from that 86 Super Bowl. I mean, what a dominant team, what a dominant defense. I think I, I, I watched a biography or uh, NFL football life, uh, probably Walter Payton's, and I I think you were quoted in that. Just talk about the fact uh, that, uh, you know, Walter didn't score a touchdown in his only Super Bowl appearance. uh you know, did you even realize that was happening at the time? And how do you feel about that in the aftermath?
2: Well, at the time, nobody nobody was really thinking about that. You know, we we went in the the locker room at halftime saying, you know, let's put sixty seventy points up there if we if we can. And uh, and every and Dick is like, yeah, let's do it. And then by the literally about halfway through the third quarter, we the starters were, were out. And you know, we thought we'd get more chances, but. You know, Walter carried the ball, I think, 25, 27 times in the game. Mm-hmm. and uh, But their whole focus that whole week was we stop Walter Payton, we win. And that was, you know, that's a, a tribute to his greatness. That's why everybody else had a big day because they were so keyed in on Walter. Uh, you know, he was going to have a tough – I think you could have gave it to him a hundred times, he might not have gotten in because that, that's their focus. We stop him, we win. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't happen because we had, we had too many other talented players. So,
1: how long did it take for you to come up with the Roselle headband? You were famous for wearing a headband, and you had an Adidas one on, and you got fined five thousand bucks by the NFL commissioner because—and back in that day, uh, that was a lot of money for Jim McMahon for any NFL player in the in the mid '80s. Uh, how long did it take you to come up with the Roselle idea for the headband?
2: Well, you got like ten minutes when you leave the field and come back out for kickoff, so. <laughs> By the time I left the field and came back, that's what I had on there. I didn't have enough room for what I wanted to put in front of Roselle, but you know, it would have been all the way around my head. But I figured that would that would make the statement that I wanted to make and it did. You know, I got his attention. You know, I didn't get fined that week. He actually called and thanked me for the free advertising. And uh and then he said, you know, you can't wear it in the Super Bowl. And so I figured out a way. I mean, I I, I got a hold somehow I got a hold of the rule book and I started reading it. And uh, I found out they, they shouldn't have been able to find me the first time. Mm-hmm. And so now I said, now I'm going to have a little fun with them. So I decided to wear all charities during the during the game. But uh, Adidas wanted me to wear the headband. I said, look, I'm going to wear it, but not around my head. I said, but you'll be able to see it. And so they agreed. And, and uh, so the head referee was chasing me around the field all during pregame warm-up telling me I couldn't wear that headband. And then right before kickoff, or right after the National Anthem, he says, I went to put on my helmet. And he said, oh, I can't let you on the field with that on there. And I said, yeah, I know, but you can't do anything about this. And I pulled it down around my neck. And so any picture you see of the Super Bowl, you got that Adidas headband clearly shown around my neck. And then I just started putting the charities on one after the other. I mean, every series I had a new charity. And I figured if they find me for charities, they're going to really look like idiots. I love it. And so I ended up. I ended up getting paid by Adidas. I didn't get fined by the NFL. But the next year, there was uh, quite a bit more pages of rules of what you couldn't couldn't wear.
1: The Jim McMahon effect. I love it. Hey, we'll just keep you for a couple more questions here. I don't know how much you follow the NFL. How do you size up this game? I guess the, the better way to put it, Jim, is you played in two Super Bowls. One as a starter, and then you were uh, on the roster behind uh, Brett Favre, like I said, in the uh, 96 uh, Super Bowl, the 96 season going into the 97 Super Bowl. Uh, you know, you got Jalen Hurts who hasn't played in a Super Bowl, and you got Patrick Mahomes who's in his third, I believe. Uh, just your thoughts on the difference, what what each quarterback might experience. Does experience make a big deal here?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, once you get over the initial couple of first couple of days of the you know the craziness that is the Super Bowl week, uh, you know, just go back to playing football. I, I did I have not seen any any games of. Uh, of the Eagles this year. Uh, obviously they're a heck of a football team. I, I played in Philadelphia. I had a great time there too, as well for three years. <laughs> uh, I know Andy Reed coached in Philadelphia for a while. And Andy Reed was my left tackle in college. So I've known him since, you know, the late seventies. And so it's hard for me to root, but you know, I, I think it's going to be a heck of a game from what everybody's been telling me. You know, I, I don't follow the game much, hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just happy to hear that Andy got in, and, and uh they're, you know, they're they're playing the Eagles. So
1: I'm interested in that. Last question for you: a lot of guys I talk to, whether it's in the CFL here or in the NFL, when they're done, they don't really, they don't pay attention to the game as much as I think they would. Why don't you pay attention to the game, Jim?
2: I I was a player. I, I love to play the game. I, I'm not a big fan of watching. Even when I was still in the league and, and backing up Brett. Uh, yeah, you know, I felt I should have been playing, and that's that's where you got to feel in my mind anyway. And unless you just like sitting on the bench and collecting the check, that wasn't me. I want to be out there playing, and if you can't play, then I don't even want to be around it.
1: That's interesting, man.
2: Hey, thanks for taking time out of your
1: schedule. I really appreciate it, Jim. Uh, this is why I got a cool job. I watched you. Now I get to talk to you. That's uh, that's uh, really that is uh, unbelievable in my book. Thanks for your time, Jim.
2: Hey, my pleasure. Hopefully we'll get that uh, that dinner in one of these days.
1: I can't wait. When you come up here, I'll be the first guy to buy a ticket. Take care, Jim. Okay,
2: guys. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: That's Jim McMahon joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We're going to continue our football talk with Eddie Steele next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Now we're off to a great start here. A
1: Hall of Fame start. Well, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I think he is in the BYU Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. Jim McMahon, but he certainly... On the Super Bowl stage twice, that's the best thing you can. That's priceless to me as a sports fan, watching him, the, the Super Bowl shuffle with the Bears. I was not a Bears fan, but I loved uh, Walter Payton, and I loved Jim McMahon, and I like his attitude, too. And it's great to see he still has that. Let's keep the show rolling. show's brought to you by Andrew Share Limited, and we're going to head it out on the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Let us talk with Eddie Steele. Hi, Eddie. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Ballsy. How you been, man? Hey, good, man. Hey, you're younger than me, but growing up, was there a guy that uh, you watched that you got to meet? Like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a Jim McMahon super fan, but it's cool to actually do a job where you can uh, hook up with a Jim McMahon and talk to him.
5: Uh, You know what?
1: Probably, you know, without being just uh, picking
5: the low-hanging fruit, but probably just playing football and uh, I grew up watching so many legends and you know just being a part of the CFL brotherhood you get to to rub shoulders with some of those guys at different events so that probably would have to be it for me.
1: Well you can never please fans Eddie and I'm not trying to cut down fans you can't please all of them okay? Well, the Riders don't sign anybody. Is O'Day sleeping? Is he in Mexico? Does he have salsa on his shirt? He gets Pete Robertson on the dotted line which I think is great but Pete is really going to be bolstered by Anthony Lanier who I I think was the Riders defensive player of the year. No disrespect to Darnell Sankey, but when Lanier the second went down, this defense crumbled, coupled with the fact that uh, Garrett Marino was let go. Uh, they couldn't get a push up the middle. So Lanier back in the fold, 250 in hard money, Justin Dunks reporting, $100,000 signing bonus. I think that's money well spent. How about you?
5: I would agree. He was a a dominant player when he played last year. And people instantly go to the sacks when they talk about defensive linemen. But if you watch his overall game in terms of stopping the run – he, he's an impactful player, and those are two really good signings by O'Day. Yeah, people uh, point the finger at him. Where, where's the activity? He's been so inactive. But I believe the game is won and lost from the trenches on outward, be it the D and the O line, and those are two really, really good signings by O'Day there.
1: Hey, I love defense now that my kid's playing it. I love watching you play. So defense is important, but I think the way the 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 football game is called right now, and I don't think it's necessarily right, you need a – an above average quarterback, you need good offensive line play and conversely good defensive line play because when it comes right down to it, Eddie, the, the basis of football is keep your guy comfortable, make the other guy's, uh, quarterback uncomfortable. So you're right there. But I think Canadians like an Eddie Steele and playmakers, that's how you win on offense. Good Canadians, O line playmakers. So, you know, Riders, Trevor Harris, Eugene Lewis combo, or Trevor Harris, Kenny Lawler combo. How do you feel about that? Because I know you weren't a huge Bull Levi Mitchell guy. Well, no, I think the combo is going to be good either way. It's going to
5: be better than, I think, going with Dane Evans, in my opinion, having Trevor Harris there, as people are talking about online. Uh, but the thing is, and you got to keep this in mind, I know Cody Fajardo had a banged-up leg, but he was a mobile quarterback. And even on his banged-up leg, he had more mobility than Trevor Harris, and he was a sitting duck back there. So I don't care who you have back there a quarterback – Again, if you don't address those offensive line issues, uh, Trevor Harris is probably the most immobile quarterback in the CFL. Mind you, he gets rid of the ball quickly, which is can be a blessing and a curse. But you need to get sure up that offensive line uh, before anything, because uh, it doesn't matter who you have; you could have uh, Tom Brady back there, and if he doesn't get the time to throw it, it doesn't matter.
1: So, with regards to that, uh, I haven't uh, Michael Couture's out there from the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers, I think. Joel Figueroa is out there. He's 33, but he's he's an accomplished left tackle in terms of being in the league for a while. Uh, Darius Sirocco out of Ottawa. Like, I, I am of the opinion you should beef up that offensive line and then try to fill in the receiver spot later.
5: I would agree with that. I wouldn't go and spend big money on the receiver. That's funny that you just say that. Because I literally was thinking that oh, probably within the past hour, you don't like no shade against a guy like Duke Williams, uh, Kenny Lawler, but you don't need to go and pay two hundred to three hundred thousand for quality receiver out there. I personally don't think that that does the team much favors, uh, especially when, you know, the two names that I've just mentioned don't even play full seasons. So that is that money well spent? I don't think so. Uh, I think you need to, again, share up the offensive and defensive line because at the end of the day, man, we can take out all the trick plays. We can take out all the fun, razzle-dazzle, fancy stuff, the offensive points. The game is won and lost with your offensive line blocking and your defensive line getting after it. That's what it comes down to. You look at it down south, the Eagles roster, they have the best defensive line, the best offensive line. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, but why is he there and why is he having so much success and there in the Super Bowl? Because his offensive line is the best in the league and his defensive line is just vicious against the other quarterbacks.
1: Eddie Steele here, former Vanier Cup champ, Grey Cup champ, played for your Rough Riders. Eddie, and he's on our pregame show and joining us, uh, you know, off and on in the sports cage here. Uh, Eddie, how do you feel about the names Darnell Sankey and Larry Dean as it relates to coming back to Rider Nation?
5: Good players, uh, Sankey. I mean, had a heck of a season. I mean, they both had a heck of a seasons. Who's kidding? Who? Um, again, roster makeup. If I'm putting my GM hat on. I'm not looking to spend top dollar to have a couple of linebackers, you know. They both are obviously great players, but there's money, and I hate to go back to this. I sound like a broken record, but I think that money needs to go elsewhere. That money needs to go in the trenches, man, because
1: that is where their Achilles heel has been, and that is where they need to shore up the stable. You should be able, you should be with a competent personnel department, be able to find American Receivers, shouldn't you?
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you said the word competent. Uh, I mean, those—that's a position where you're a dime a dozen. There's millions of American receivers chomping at the bit to try and get a look up here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Apparently, according to Justin Dunk, the Riders did make a pretty significant offer to Trevor Harris, or at least they're going to table one for him. So we'll be uh, interested to see if he takes it. as money will go farther here than in Quebec, not only in terms of cost of living, but taxation too. Uh, Eddie, quickly, who do you got in the Super Bowl? The Eagles or the Chiefs? I think the Eagles are better everywhere except at quarterback and coaching, and that could be the difference. Yeah, what we're seeing is pretty remarkable from the Chiefs because Eagles, they have the
5: best roster in football, and they're they're showing that display, and that's why they're in the Super Bowl. Whereas in football with the Chiefs, we don't see this too often where one guy kind of takes over a game. That's typically not how football goes, and what we're seeing out of Patrick Mahomes is it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable, so it makes it really tough to bet on him because he can make plays in so many different ways. But I'm going to go with what I've harped on this entire hit, and I'm going with the trenches. The Eagles have the far, far superior trenches, both sides of the ball. So I'm going to say Eagles take this one. And uh, I hope I didn't sound too repetitive, but no. Jeremy O'Day, shore up those trenches, man, Shore up those trenches.
1: I agree 100% on both of those with uh, your advice to O'Day, and I just put 50 on the Eagles before I sat in this chair. So there you go. We're well, good to go. Thanks, <laughs> th- Thanks for your time, Eddie. Take care, man. Okay, you take care, Baldy. That's Eddie Steele joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We got a great show still in store. Don't go anywhere. We got another two time Super Bowl champ, Tyrone Poole, before the end of the show. Glenn Souter, Coach Craig Dickinson, and Anthony Lanier second, the highest paid American defender in the CFL. All here on the number one sports show in Saskatchewan, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Your sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing
6: and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed, they'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American defensive lineman Anthony Lanier the second to a one-year contract extension. Anthony will be joining the cage today at approximately four seventeen PM. So keep it tuned in to the cage here on 620 CKRM. Pistol Pete Robertson and Anthony Lanier the second back on the defensive line. This This news came in yesterday. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have signed receiver Nick Dembski to a three-year contract extension, keeping him in the blue and gold through 2025. NFL receiver, seven-time Pro Bowler, wide receiver A.J. Green announced his retirement today. Uh, Great career A.J. put together. Over 10,000 career receiving yards to go along with 70 touchdowns. So A.J. Green calling it a career today.
1: recognize our Coach of the Week here in the Sports Cage, former Regina Rams offensive lineman Nathan Cugnet out in Mooseman. Six years out there, man time flies.
7: Yeah, it just feels like yesterday I was just getting out here.
1: So Nathan, how much better of a coach are you now than when you first started out there?
7: For my whole life, I only ever played 12 side football, so that's really all I knew, but uh, since coming to Mooseman, um, we're out here we're doing 9 aside side uh, football, so it's, it's, it's a very different game in the 12 a side game, that's for sure. And then also, you know, um, football Sask has some great coaches' programs. And so just here earlier in January, I took a positional coach and then a coordinator's coach. Um, course from them so I've I've learned quite a bit just through those two courses on one how to be a positional coach a good positional coach but then also how to be um, a good offensive coordinator as well
1: so tell me what are the challenges in the nine uh, man or nine person game as opposed to the 12 person game
7: the field isn't a lot smaller and the six less players on the field or eight, eight less players on the field to really makes a difference you know what you can and can't do so for example on offense like you know you got those less guys so if you go five offensive linemen well, now you're losing three receivers or you know you can keep with your four or five receivers but then you only have three offensive linemen. it's just the the things that you can do um it's it's kind of limits you but also at the same time you can get very creative with what you can do
1: what coach from your playing days do you kind of uh Harken back to when you're preaching a lesson or, or, or determining how to coach uh, a him or a her in the game of football?
7: I'd probably have to, you know, go back to, to Sheldon Neal. Uh, he was my offensive line coach for my five years with the Rams. Um, and for me, he, he really had a way of just sort of explaining it to me in a way that, um, you know, I, it just stuck with me. And, and he was the kind of guy that he... he managed a lot from you but at the same time you know he was the one that would give you your kudos right away so um you know for me he was he was a great coach for me and a great role model for me so he's kind of one of the guys that i I most definitely look upon to to help me when i'm you know coaching someone else
1: now nathan interesting you coach a u18 girls team but you also coach a u18 co-ed team tell me about that that's kind of neat
7: our U18 um, girls team, fairly new to Saskatchewan. I think it's been four or five years now since we've been going here. Um, and so, Coach that one as well as our U18 co-ed team, which is our boys and girls team. And we play in the uh, rural Manitoba Football League with that. And so, that's a little bit interesting because, um, you know, we got majority of our players are, are males, but... Um, we do have a few females on our team and actually um in our league i think most every team has at least one or two girls on their team as well
1: were there any injury uh kind of concerns you know what i mean men versus women boys versus girls they are made up differently they do maybe approach the game differently in some aspects not really actually uh
7: just an example actually our girls athletes are are sometimes tougher than our our boys (laughs) and um perfect example we had um One of our quarterbacks uh, this past year was uh, one of our females who also played for the girls team and, you know, kind of concerned. Some of the guys, you know, we played against were bigger, but um, she would stand in there and take a hit to make a pass. And a great example of that is we were coming down to the end of the game. I think it was our first game of the year, second game of the year, and we need a two point conversion at the end of the game. She stood in there, took the hit while making the throw to get the two-point conversion, which ultimately gave us the win. So, you know, um, and she bounced right back up and kept going. So I don't think there's really much difference in that. The girls, like I said, fit right in with the boys.
1: This has been Nathan Cugnett, out in Mooseman, our Coach of the Week here on the Sports Cage.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Hey, we got Mike Kelly here from the NHL Network. Mike, thanks for
1: joining me. It must have been weird for you because it was weird for me. I didn't really even watch any sports this past weekend.
8: I know. I don't think I watched any. I mean, I watched some of the All-Star stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, same way. No football. Uh, I don't really watch a ton of basketball. And, uh, obviously, no baseball. I watched the Netflix Breakpoint series, uh, the tennis I just started
1: that. Is that it's good?
8: Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I like tennis a lot. So, um, you know, when you work in hockey the way that, that, that I do covering it and all that, I uh, don't really get a lot of time to watch other sports. Um, mm-hmm. If I sit around all day Sunday watching football, I'm sure my, my uh, significant other would probably not be a big fan <laughs> of that. So um, kind of pick your spots. But, it, yeah, that, that documentary, uh, The Tennis Men women's Women Side, it's, it's a great behind-the-scenes look.
1: Yeah, I just started it and then got distracted, but I am going to pick up on that. So with your recommendation, hey, like the CFL, I think, needs to get into that with the digital things. And, and I wouldn't put the CFL on the same uh, plane as the NHL or NFL or any of the big four. But I, I think the NHL could do so much more with regards to its marketing. Now, I know in the lead up to the Winter Classic back in the day they had, they followed the two teams like the the Pens and the Caps. But I'd love to see something like this behind the scenes for the NHL.
8: Yeah, I agree. Those are really good. And um, a lot of teams do them, right? Boston has one.
1: Yeah, um, The Leafs
8: have one. I'm sure there's others as well. Um, but those, you're really just getting the fans of your team, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get it to a point where it's league-wide interest? And, and maybe you're just, you're the NHL, you're just following around the stars for a while. Follow around McDavid and Crosby and Ovechkin, um, some of the, the superstars in the league for segments of games and Little uh, you know episodes together that could be something interesting. I agree. The more of that uh, that you can see, the better because like it totally works. Because I'm not I don't watch a ton of tennis. I'll watch you know some some of the majors. But now you get to see behind the scenes of who these players are and what their lives are like and. If I watch them now, it's just a different level of interest. So it really does work from a marketing standpoint.
1: Now I'm in a silo out here in Western Canada in terms of junior hockey, Mike, but I don't remember a player like Connor Bedard in terms of going from city to city and selling out rinks. Like, medicine hat was sold out last night before that Lethbridge, before that Calgary had 17,000 I mean it's like a rock show I'm not saying he's as good as McDavid was, I'm not talking about that in talent but I I don't remember a player selling out Barnes like this, but once again I'm just in western Canada were Crosby and uh, McDavid like that, Lemieux coming up?
8: That's a good question, I don't know the answer um, but Bedard, it is amazing when you're you're selling out basically NHL sized arenas as, yeah. as he kind of did when he was in Calgary. That's that's incredible. Um, it just shows you how much interest people have in this guy, and he's the real deal. Like he's trained with NHL players. Uh, they all say that he's the real deal. And Crosby said he doesn't have any weaknesses. I mean, uh, wow. his shot already is probably better than ninety percent of players in the league at, at the forward position. So. You know, fans are obviously hyped to see this kid, and I'm pumped to see him when he gets into the NHL next season. Um, I I think we're looking at a legit, like, potentially point-a-game, you know, really impressive player right off the hop.
1: it's crazy. Hey, I love following you at Mike Kelly uh, NHL. Uh, You know, the one thing that's changed over the years is that, and you talked about it on the NHL network, where you you get the puck on the power play and then you drop it back to a a speedy forward that can gain entry. You talked about one player, Zach Hyman, that does a great job of kind of running interference without getting a penalty. Can you expand for my listeners here? Because it was a really neat little feature.
8: Yeah, thank you. So, It's kind of like everybody knows that teams all do this drop pass, right? Like you said, the forward comes up with speed and tries to get into the zone. One of the things that happens when you do that, though, is um, you get a lot of your guys kind of standing around in the neutral zone waiting for him to rush the puck up, right? Right. And the other team, um, a lot of teams defend with three players at the blue line when the penalty kills out there. So you end up with kind of five, six, seven guys standing around in the same area And what I've noticed is uh, a lot of teams offensively, when you're on the power play, you have a player who's kind of trying to get in the way of a penalty killer so that your guy can enter the zone a little easier. And there's a lot of commonality in how teams are doing it too. Like it'll be the same guy in the same spot. So you can tell that this is intentional. And, you know, the thing that I found interesting, I looked at just neutral zone interference penalties by the team on the power play. There's already been more this year than there was all of last year. So teams are obviously trying to run this interference a lot. Refs are catching on to a call on the penalties. But yeah, Zach Hyman was the interesting case because um, the, the Oilers have the best power play in the league. They've scored more power play goals off the rush than any team in the league. Now we can point right to McDavid for pretty much all of that, right? He's a huge part of it. But you watch a lot of those entries and McDavid's rushing the puck up and there's Hyman just getting in the way a little bit, and he knows how to get away with it so guys aren't falling over when they run into him and he's getting penalties. He's very subtle about it, but very effective. Um, and I just one of those things where he's such a smart player, and that's one area where his intelligence you know, just benefits him and the team as well.
1: So uh, you did your mid-season awards. I see Mike uh, on your uh, Twitter feed at Mike Kelly NHL. Talked about it on the NHL Network. Two I want to point out, this guy's really uh, impressed me. You see Soros, the goalie for the Nashville Predators. The dude's not even six feet tall. That is unheard of in today's NHL, and he is like a shoot-to-win board. It's hard to beat that guy.
8: Sure is. Uh, You're going to be that size. You better have great feet because you need to get square to a lot of shots, and he does that. He makes himself bigger than he is, and – all of the Jets and the Stars fans in my mentions have been on fire, (laughs) uh, rooting for their goalies. Who look are great stories and should be right in the mix too, but the reason why I give it to Saros at this point, and he's not at the top of the league in save percentage and goals against average, um, and I get that, but Nashville's 28th in the league in expected goals against, so that's just the shot quality they allow. He has to do more for his team than... The other guys, Hellebuck, you know, the Jets are 13th and expected goals against the Stars are 11th. Um, And those guys have been great. And if you gave them the trophy right now, I'd say, sure, no problem. Um, I think Soros, his degree of difficulty is high enough to a point that in this very, very close race, and Sorokin's there too, um, and Allmark's obviously there, in this very, very close race, I would give him a slight, slight edge because I think that degree of difficulty is high enough that it warrants it.
1: And you have as your Calder, uh, you know, um, nominees uh, Perfetti, Power, and Berniers. Now Berniers, uh, Matty Berniers, uh, definitely got to be at the top of that list just because of what he's done uh, helping Seattle with a, a pretty good season to this point.
8: Yeah, yeah, Berniers is my first guy, then Power, and then and then Perfetti, and you can throw Stuart Skinner in that mix as well. I yeah. think, uh you make the case for him too, but um, Matty Berniers. So he leads you know, all rookies and goals and points and those things that, that everyone's going to look at and it's very impressive. Um, even if you take that away, uh, some of that away, not that you would take it away, but just consider the fact that defensively amongst all forwards in the league, so these are veterans as well, he's got really good numbers in terms of how he impacts the game defensively away from the puck, getting the puck back, getting the loose pucks using his speed um, and being good on the other side of it. And for a rookie to be that good in those areas already is huge he's going to be a great great two way player not just offensively and that's a big part of Seattle's success is that they're good off the puck just like they're good on the puck Um, he fits right into it so his all-around game, to me, separates him even more than just the points and, and the goals that he's got.
1: Hey, uh, Mike, I'm glad you threw in Stuart Skinner. Where would the Oilers be without Stuart Skinner? Like, that's the way Jack oh. Campbell got off to a terrible start. They'd be in trouble, big trouble.
8: They would, and you know what? Maybe, so, like, I think Veneers is the number one. Uh, Owen Power, he's been so good playing huge mm-hmm. minutes in Buffalo, and in that position with the role that he has to do as well as he has, is so impressive. Maybe Skinner should have been the third guy. I think you could make the case for sure. Um, what does goaltending mean to a team? It, it's huge. So you look at Jack Campbell, the struggles he's uh, continued to have after the second half last season. Where would they be without another viable option? Probably not in the playoff spot. So yeah, um, it, it's uh, it, just an absolutely terrific first half for Stuart skinner for sure
1: put you on the spot here uh one last time is, is there something you're looking forward to or uh, you're interested in watching in the second half of the season either a player a team or like kind of a situation or a trend
8: yeah there's a lot of things um i think there's a lot of great storylines we've got good playoff races it, it looks like it will be um even in the east towards the bottom uh which will be nice the west is certainly open the pacific is open one thing I was looking at the other day, and this, this really interests me about the Pacific Division, is I, I'm amazed at the LA Kings and the points percentage they have and the record that they have and where they are in the standings, considering the fact that they've had the worst goaltending in the league this season, objectively. So just goal-saved above expected. They are dead last. And yet they are still in contention to win the division. So, like, I go back one, two, three, four, five, five six years, the team that's finished last and goals saved above expected is not finished better than 19th. None of them have made the playoffs. The Kings can win the division. Shows you how good the team is. Shows yeah. you how good the team is defensively and just not allowing a lot. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see where they land. If the goaltending can, can improve at all, they could be, you know, a contender in a pretty open Western Conference. If it doesn't, can they get in the playoffs and kind of overcome this? glaring weakness should they, they make a move at the trade yeah not, should right? they get
1: but, should they get a goalie that was my class should they go get a goalie and and who would they go get
8: <laughs> well the funny thing is i mean maybe the canucks will deny it and i don't know you never know what's reports right what what what's accurate what isn't to what degree but apparently thatcher demko can be had um if the price is right which i guess anybody can but uh, if you have a chance to get Thatcher Demko, who at his best is a top five goalie in the league, who is still you know in his mid twenties, the Kings have the prospects to do it. Let's be honest. Um, do they want to go down that road? You would have a franchise goalie set up for your future. And I, I, like I already said, the Kings are a really good team when you consider where they are with that weak goaltending. So, wow. I would love to see them do that. I would love it. Now you'd have to give up really good young pieces, and and uh, and they've got them. You'd have to give up high and they've got them franchise altering it, it would be on both sides maybe the Canucks don't want to do it maybe the reports you know aren't, aren't uh, um, you know as accurate as we think I don't know but that would fascinate me
1: well this guy's always uh, fascinating with the topics he brings up on the NHL network a great follow at uh, Mike Kelly NHL on Twitter thanks for your time Mike have a good uh, rest of the week okay
8: hey you too Michael always good chatting with you
0: you're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. we have off to
1: a great start. We had Mike Kelly on from the NHL Network. In the first half an hour, Eddie Steele. And we started the show with two-time Super Bowl champ, Jim McMahon. We're going to open the phones up after 4 o'clock. You want to talk some sports. What are you thinking of the CFL Free Agency? It doesn't officially kick off until next, I believe it's, I want to say Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. The 14th. Tuesday, yep. 14th. One week from tomorrow. At noon Eastern time. But teams are already getting ahead of it. Matthew Schultz re-signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So that will tell you that Dane Evans will be out there. Will Dane Evans be... Will Dane Evans be... A Montreal Alouette. Or will he be a BC Lion? Will he be traded or cut? Uh, apparently, according to Justin Dunk, the Rough Riders made a strong offer to veteran quarterback Trevor Harris in this communication week, so Harris knows the lay of the land here. He'd have to think it's around four ninety five hundred thousand dollars He made five fifteen the year before, like not last year, but the year before that, then signed an incentive-laden deal with the Alouettes when he came off the bench to replace Vernon Adams, who was then traded to BC. So is Dane Evans bound for Montreal if Trevor Harris leaves, or is Cody Fajardo going to end up with Jason Moss. Oh, Apparently, there is a lot of talk. Oh, those two don't get along, but I've done some digging. That's not the case. They liked each other, so maybe Cody Fajardo ends up in Montreal as a starter? That'd be crazy. Cody Fajardo, I think his two spots are Montreal and BC. I noticed something <coughs> on Twitter
6: yesterday yeah. when this uh, weasel week kicked off. Yeah. Uh, Communication weeks. Here. Yeah, Eugene Eugene Lewis was tweeting yesterday about something along the lines. I can't look it up now because my computer's yeah. frozen. But he was saying. How he's feeling like he's feeling the love now. Yeah, now so he knows. Goes, goes, it's nice
1: to it, see what you're worth is what he said. Yeah, so that goes to show you that he knows, you know, I think he knows he sees the money banks. Oh, yeah, and that's what this uh, weasel week as You like to call it, is worth. So they know what the lay of the land is. They know if their team's screwing them, uh, maybe they can go back to their team. It, it, it works in the players' favor, and I have no problem with it. But, Zinger, they the the Alouettes, and now it's nice to see the Alouettes sign somebody, Canadian receiver... uh uh Kion Julian Grant is back with the um well, that's a game Alouettes. changer yeah isn't but it? what are they going to do in Montreal man that situation is dysfunctional again mm-hmm. that's a, that's not really good for the league um Also in the world of sports, in terms of signings, the Riders, of course, signing Anthony Lanier II, who I think was on pace to be their Defensive Player of the Year before he got hurt. $250,000 in hard money, including a $100,000 signing bonus. They also re-signed Pete Robertson. Nick Dembski is signed with uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the three-year deal. Veteran Devaris Daniels back in Toronto. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington, the Canadian running back, back in Hamilton. So uh, things are moving. Moving in the CFL as we head up towards free agency, it's almost wanna...
6: like these players—they see what the market is, they see if yeah. any teams are interested
1: in them, and then yeah. it,
6: all it takes is like one day, and then they know, and they be like, "Okay, I'm just gonna stay where it, I am." Yeah,
1: because sometimes the juice isn't worth yeah. the squeeze, money and everything. Think Sankey's back here or not? Uh, I, I don't think he is, to be honest. Are you? Uh, are
6: you? He's going to want too much. Are you
1: in Eddie Steele's camp, and I'm in that camp yes, and so. and, oh, yeah. with, with the linemen and I'm the captain of that camp, and maybe not spend as much on Gino or uh, Kenny Lawler and get yeah. some cheaper receivers. Absolutely, I, I am. think so too. Although I, I mean, hey, I love me some Gino Lewis, but. $800,000 for a quarterback and a receiver seems a little rich. I wonder if
6: the Riders are one of the teams that reached out to Geno. Maybe that's what his Maybe. tweets are about. Maybe,
1: but could you imagine? Apparently, according to Justin Dunn, Geno <laughs> and Kenny Lawler are high on the Riders list. If mm. the Riders strike out with those two, do they circle back for Shaq Evans? Shaq's productive when he's healthy. And he's had two freak injuries the same injury, on a broken bone in either foot, right? I would, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't I'd, I'd pass on Duke. I'd probably pass on Swervemore, uh, and uh, do a little bit of uh, a bit of a uh, bargain bin shopping or find yourself a young prospect. In terms of the Regina Pat singer, we were, uh, endeavoring to get a hold of Dante to but we did not. But we will tell you, they've got their second team autograph signing tomorrow. Uh, five o'clock, the door's open. The only way to get in is the west entrance there, the Lou van entrance. Uh, six to eight, it goes. You're allowed to bring one of your own, one of your own items to sign. And then you, everybody there will get a team photo and you can get that signed as well. Hmm. Okay? Just to keep the yep. just to keep it going, the right? flow. The flow going. That's right. All right, coming up, we got plenty to go. If you want to talk some sports 936-6262 the number to text or call and uh, toll-free 1-866-767-0620 still to come Glenn Suter at 4:30. We've got Tyrone Poole, the two-time Super Bowl champ before it's all said and done. Coach Craig Dickinson at 5:05 and Anthony Lanier, the second highest paid defensive American player in the CFL at about 420. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared
0: Limited on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. It's going to be a touchdown for Champion Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Well, an obvious place
1: to start. Free agency is next week in the CFL, and two huge signings on defense by the Riders. Anthony Lanier II is now the highest-paid American defensive player this year on a one-year $250,000 deal, apparently. Well, some fans aren't happy. No shocker there. You can't please everybody. And with all due respect to Darnell Sankey, who I like, by the way, this defense went south when Lanier got hurt and Marino got cut. He... Arguably was the defensive MVP and pistol Pete is way more productive when Lanier is pushing the middle So it's great that Robertson has signed back in the fold too. nine sacks and a league leading five forced fumbles last year despite missing four games Number two in the pick six. According to Three Down Nation, the Riders have signified they're going to offer Trevor Harris a pretty hefty contract when free agency rolls around. And sources say they're very interested in Geno Lewis and or Kenny Lawler at the receiver spot. A harris Geno combo would be just what the doctor ordered. They have great chemistry, and you win in the CFL with above-average quarterbacking, playmakers, solid O-line play, and great Canadian talent. It's been the same formula For years. And you'll say, well, do they have the money? No Duke, no Shaq, probably no Kyron Moore, and no Cody Fajardo. They've got some money. Number three on the pick six. Two days after Kyrie Irving demanded a trade, the Brooklyn Nets sent him to Dallas for a package of players and picks. Point guard Spencer Dinwiddie returns to his old team in the deal and should take Irving's place as the lead point guard. The Nets also get Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a prototypical three and D wing who plays tough defense, rebounds, knocks down open threes, and doesn't need the ball all the time. Dallas is one of the NBA's best young players and 23-year-old Luka Doncic, but he's been shoulder A huge offensive load this year, so it's going to help with Kyrie Irving joining the Mavericks. Irving is unreliable, unpredictable, but he is a star and will help out in Dallas. The New York Islanders agreed to an eight-year contract extension with the recent trade acquisition, Bo Horvat, from the Canucks. It carries an annual average salary of $8.5 million. The deal will keep him under contract until he's 36. Islanders GM Lou Lamorello joked, it's too long and too much money. At least I think he was joking. Horvat, though... No joke. He already has 31 goals this year, which matches his previous high that he set last season. A two-time All-Star, he's respected across the league for his leadership and two-way ability. Of course, he was the Canucks captain the last 4 years. At the moment the Islanders are 6th in the Metro Division and just a couple of points back of the Penguins for the final wild card spot. But the Pens do have 3 games in hand. The Sabres who are above the Islanders with 56 points have 2 games in hand. Building a competitive NHL team is a steep challenge. And while Lamorello stated the price tag is a bit high, <laughs> it's also unavoidable. Giving talented players contracts that might be somewhat unsavory is just the cost of doing business in today's NHL. Speaking of shopping, according to Odds Checker, the Raiders are the favorites to land Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who could be traded this offseason. However, Vegas must make more cap space to accommodate a potential trade centered around Rodgers, who is two years remaining on his contract with $101.4 million guaranteed. The Raiders got just under $20 million in cap room, so they must cut costs if they plan on making a run at Rodgers. Trading or cutting Derek Carr before February 15th frees up almost $35 million, while letting running back Josh Jacobs an impending free agent walk could save another $10.1 million. The desire to save money for a massive move might explain why the Raiders have yet to approach Jacobs, who led the NFL in rushing with 1,653 yards, about a contract extension. At the Pro Bowl, he was asked by reporters about contract negotiations, and he said, quote, we ain't talked yet, so I don't know. <laughs> Number six in the pick six. Truth be told, I didn't watch the NHL All-Star Game in Sunrise, Florida, but I did see clips afterwards of the festivities on Friday night. One of the highlights, because kids always win, Alexander Ovechkin's young son skating down the ice. On either side, it was Ovi and Sidney Crosby, and they're passing the puck back and forth, and Ovi's little kid... Flubs a shot, but it rolls towards the net, and Roberto Luongo, who was in net, falls, and the puck goes through his legs. Judges are holding up the 10 sign. It was kind of a cute moment. course, we know the background with Ovechkin and his friendship with Vladimir Putin and what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. And it sparked this comment from Dominic Hashik, as he put on Twitter, the NHL is sunk to rock bottom. Letting Ovechkin's son perform on the ice at the NHL All-Star is spitting in the face of approximately 500 killed, 1,000 injured, and tens of thousands of Ukrainian kidnapped children. The NHL and Gary Bettman must pay for this heinous act. Can we just keep politics out? of sports. Do we have to be butt hurt about every moment? It was a cool moment at the NHL All-Star game. It's not always about politics or religion. Give it a break, Hashik. You're a clown. No way. You're kidding me. There's no way this guy's on the phone. This has got to be a lie. Unbelievable. Let's head out on the Western Pizza hotline. Is this Sheldon the people's champ? The one, the only, Ballsy. I'm back. I'm back. I know you missed me, brother. <laughs> oh, I did miss you, man. Where? What rock were you hiding under? I thought for sure. I thought for sure you would have called last year, or you would have called like during. Since I took this show over, because the team hasn't exactly lived up to Sheldon, the People's Champ standards.
9: Well, you know, Ballsy, I was trying to take a, a more positive look on life. Um, but you know, I, I couldn't hide any longer. You know, it's, it's, it's painful to watch, uh, especially last season. What happened? Obviously a wicked start four and one, uh, we have fallen uh, one and eight the last nine games. It just killed me, buddy. So I'm out from under the rock. I'm going to make a return to the ring this year. And, uh, yeah, you know, I just want to talk a
1: little football brother. Let's talk football. First off six and 12. Where do you think that season went off the rails?
9: You know, I, I look at it from a couple of perspectives, you know, um, I think in, for whatever reason, Ballsy, in this province, we're, we're very quick uh, to get on the quarterback, right? You know, at the start of last season, you know, even the year before, if Cody Fajardo was, was the coming of Christ in Saskatchewan. You know, this was our leader. This is our guy. We start the season four and one. Um, I, I think it was probably the midway point. You know, we get a couple injuries tomorrow in Hickson. But, you know, the biggest focal point has to be on the O-line. They gave up 77 sacks last year. 77 times. Now I'm not saying Pajardo made it easy for him. The guy always seemed like he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. But you can't give up 77 sacks to your quarterback and expect the team to win. Hmm. So I would say it was probably the midpoint of the season. You know, we were 4 and 1 out of the gate and then the last uh, 9 games we were 1 and 8. I mean, I would say the midpoint of the season, couple injuries and for whatever reason we couldn't recover.
1: Yeah. So I can't see. Do you see a scenario where Cody comes back to this team? I can't see it. You you can't now. Not after the comments he's made, and you know, and
9: and how he says he wants to go down with the ship. I, I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think you can come back from what happened. I think they have no choice to move on. The problem I see, Baldy, is I'm looking around the league. Um, you know, and I'll use the NFL quickly as an example. You know, the the final eight teams in the league I, I, in the playoffs. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. They all have an elite quarterback, a guy that you can rely on, depend on. You know, is Mason fine? The guy, I, I just don't think so. I look at names like like Trevor Harris, Boldy, by Mitchell, Bethel, Thompson, Rourke signed with the Jaguars. These are guys. Zach Kolaris, I mean Christ, we had him here for three years, Balsy. <laughs> and you know, and we're we're so hard on quarterbacks in Saskatchewan. Zach Kolaris was here, and everybody said oh, he's he's washed up. He's he's got too many concussions. He's a bum. Where has he been the past three years, Ballsey? Where has he been?
1: Well, uh, it goes back to what you said, though. It, they put an old line around the guy. I'm not. Dis, I'm not dismissing what you're saying. Exactly. So, so
9: what, we're so hard on quarterbacks here. Sometimes we don't give them a fair shot. They put
1: a they put an offensive line to protect him. The guy's been to three straight Grey Cups. So, so would but, you go? So would you go with the 36 year old Trevor Harris, or would you take a chance on Dane Evans, who's young? He's got a stronger arm than Cody. If you put a line around him, maybe you go with Dane Evans. Listen, I I think it's dependent on the pieces that you have to support him. So if you're
9: going to be a mobile mobile team on the outside, you're going to run a lot of screens, you're going to get moving, I think you go with a more mobile quarterback. But if you want a guy to stand in the pocket, sling it downfield to your weapons, I think it's Trevor Harris. It's got to be somebody else than what we have, though. I think you have to move on from Fajardo, but I just don't think Mason finds the the, the pickup right. Like I think you have got to go to a Trevor Harris. That's my opinion. Yeah. Um,
1: how about Duke? How about How about Duke or Shack? I think they're moving on from them. So would you spend a lot of cake on Geno Lewis or a Kenny Lawler? You have to. You have no choice. Like you, you, you see the guys in this
9: league that that um, that stand out, like guys like Nathan Rourke last year. They're gone in a year. You need to get a seasoned bet who can get down the field and get the yards for you. It's what it comes down to. If you lose Evans and you lose you know, you know, Williams, what else do you have? You have to go out and spend money at receiver. It's not even a question at this point.
1: Good point. And lastly, my friend, before I let you go, uh, <laughs> this is for for sure. I thought you would have called in because uh, you you uh, you're the guy that likes to spit on your windshield in the car. There, when when <laughs> when, when when your when your kid was born and you didn't want to wake up. That's still one of the best calls I've ever had. He's in his car. He just cleaned his car and he spit all over the windshield because he was out <laughs> talking in the car because he didn't want to wake up the baby. That was hilarious, man. One of the best calls ever. I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised you didn't call in six. 12 year hosting a great cup. I thought for sure you would have called when they didn't really make any moves with the coach or the GM. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know what? I That, that
9: was one thing, too, that I looked at. Uh, I've I heard that O'Day and Dickinson are on their last fumes here. You know, last year, their contract. Um, my, my only concern with not making a big shakeup is that who are you going to attract? You heard Bo Levi Mitchell come out and say, Hey, you know, I don't know if they have the pieces around them right now that I'm interested in working with. You have to be attractive. Uh, for a star quarterback or a star receiver to come here, you can throw money at them, but you got a lot of these guys want to win. And, and and so I'm a little shocked they didn't shake it up with O'Day. They didn't shake it up with Dixon. Dickinson. I'm happy. I'm happy they moved on from Jason Moss because I was getting tired of the second and eight delayed handoff up the gut for two yards. <laughs> I was getting I was getting tired of that. And, and I think that this Kelly Jeffrey brings a different uh, a different Moxie to him. You've seen the running backs we had last year with Hickson and Morrow. They went down, but I think he had a positive impact. But I was a little surprised uh, that O'Day and Dickinson both kept their job. I don't know if those guys are the right guys for the job. I don't see the fire lit underneath them. You know, like I look at a guy like Mike O'Shea. That's the guy you don't want to meet in the back alley, and that's the kind of coach you want. You want you want one of those street thugs who will take your life at any moment. You know what I mean? And that's Mike O'Shea. Do we have that with Dickinson? I mean, he seems kind of soft. Seems kind of soft to me. So I am surprised that he's still here. is it going to be enough of a shake-up to wake him up? I don't know, but I'll tell you this right now. If you told me last year we started with Cody Fajardo 4-1, and one, and now you're telling me we're kicking off the year with Mason Fine? I mean, last year, Ballsy, the second half of the season, we had the worst record in the CFL, 1-8. and eight. You can't tell me that we're supposed to start the year with you know positive aspirations when our quarterback's Mason Fine and you're bringing back Dickinson and O'Day. I, I don't know, man.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting because it is Cheaters Week. We'll see what the, what they can do. O'Day's got the most money. We'll see how he spends it. But I'll tell you what, I don't care. We got Sheldon, the People's Champ, back. Thanks for the call, man. I love it. All right, brother. We'll chat with you very soon.
0: Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Keep the text coming. 936-6262, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Shows brought to you by Andrew
1: Shared Limited and our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's talk to the highest paid American defender in the CFL, Anthony Lanier the second. Thanks for taking my call, Anthony. I thought maybe it'd be too big a deal to talk to me now with all the that.
4: that money no thank you for having me on man Uh, how you doing
1: good i appreciate you doing that hey uh luke Mulliner and i in the broadcast booth and we were having to fill out the nominees for defensive player of the year for the rough riders we both were close to putting your name in and would have had you not been injured because i really think this defense went south when you got hurt and garrett marino was cut um it must be pretty nice to be back in rider nation with a nice deal
4: yeah, happy to be home. You know, everything is uh, up, and we're looking around to the future plans of what we got coming up. Yeah. Were you close to leaving
1: at any point? Like, I know this is communication week, and other teams can reach out to you. Did you have a lot of other teams express interest?
4: Um, you, know, you know, we had a process like anybody else goes through the process. Every team had a child, and, uh, you know, at the end, they made a decision through God. Yeah, so what did you like about, uh, or what
1: was attractive, besides the money, Anthony, about coming back to Saskatchewan?
4: Um, just because I've been there, and also I've learned to love the community, love the fans out there, and love the facilities out there. So wanted to be back with the guys and being back with on the team in the green and white.
1: Yeah, so Anthony, this is a great place to play when you're winning because everybody loves you. When you're losing, it can be a bit of a fishbowl in terms of uh, everybody's got an opinion. How have you found that aspect of living in a small town where football matters so much?
4: Well, when you carry that type of load on him being who we are, you kind of learn to deal with it and you understand that everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That doesn't mean that he don't love you anymore or any less. That's just how they feel right now because we know that we have the love and support and you keep on moving because at the end of the day when we buckle up our helmets and strap on those pads, we know we come out there to do it. That's to terrorize quarterbacks.
1: Anthony Lanier second. the big $250,000 question that I have for you is, how's your health? You had a, you had a great year. You got Hurt. you came back right at the tail end of the season
4: how you feeling feeling better than never man god bless me with a chance to be able to step on the field again let's do it
1: what what does your workout regimen look like your off-season workouts if you can walk some of my listeners through that they're they're interested to see how does anthony lanier second prepare in the off-season
4: um, you know, keeping it more, more of a routine for body maintenance. Of course, a lot of stretching, a lot of hydration. You know, light weights, but, you know, a lot of reps. And also, I uh, study Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and boxing as well. And hot, do a lot of hot yoga, sauna, workouts. You know, it's about what you're going to put into your body. That's what you're going to get out of it. Anthony, um,.
1: If you want to keep getting paid, you want to take that next step and continue to solidify your name in the CFL. Have you looked at your game? What do you want to do this year in in, in order of uh, tinkering it to make it better?
4: Um, just to make sure I work on the craft um, understand the game better because at the end they, even as many years as I've been into this game you always can learn something new and the game is constantly evolving you got a lot of new quarterbacks that's coming in you got a lot of new athletes that come in you know and make the game a whole lot better and different so you learn to adapt with it so They just have to stay a student of the game.
1: Anthony, in your opinion, I've asked other guys that I've had on the last week or so, where did this season go off the rails, in your opinion, in terms of just never being able to get back on that winning track?
4: Um, you know, it just happens. You know, sometimes teams take falls. You know, we uh, it's not anybody's fault. You know, point the finger at anybody. It just is life. You have to deal with the punches as they come. You stay confident and you keep that faith in it. It's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes that's just how the cards are dealt. But you regroup, pick yourself back up, brush them off, and keep it pushing. When
1: when you look at signing, you talked about all the reasons why you wanted to come back here. But we don't have a, we don't have a quarterback. Uh, we have a lot of moving pieces yet in free agency. Did that ever... Uh, concern you in terms of you signing on the dotted line
4: no not at all because I trust in the organization and do what they feel is best to pick the best people at the positions and you know they do the best job they can is to make it you know all come together with the budgets they have um you know we have different regulations and you know it's just about the pick of the draw
1: and your uh, buddy uh, Pete Robertson your running mate on the d-line how how good is it that both of you are back in the fold
4: feels really good. You know, somebody who you can just look at and just communicate without being having athlete lift your finger or open your mouth. is always good. We've been always working hard together. We actually push each other um, in a friendly competition all the time. You know, and it's always good love and laughter as we work hard together. Um, it's still good to have somebody who also has that love for the game as much as you do next to you.
1: Okay, so I won't talk to you before the Super Bowl. You obviously watch all football. Who do you got, the Chiefs or the Eagles in the Super Bowl in Arizona.
4: Ah uh, man, I'm gonna have to go with the Eagles this year, man. I love them.
1: Yeah, they're good in the trenches Everybody over there. Yeah, they're good Everybody in the trenches, over there right? Hard.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. You know, you know, we always watch uh, for those teams that have those trench hungry guys.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, uh, thanks for your time, man. Congratulations on signing the deal and becoming, uh, by all accounts, the highest paid American defender in the CFL right now. Well earned. Can't wait to see you at training camp.
4: All right, thank you. Look forward to seeing you too, and thank you for having me on. That's Anthony Lanier
1: the second of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A big re-signing by the Ruffies. When we come back, Glenn Suter will join us for press coverage. It's the sports cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on six twenty CKRM. with your sports ticker. Six games in the National
6: Hockey League tonight. The Calgary Flames are in the Big Apple getting set to meet the Rangers. The Lonely Canucks, they're in New Jersey tonight. The Coyotes host the Wild. And an all-Florida matchup tonight in South Beach with the Tampa Bay Lightning visiting the Florida Panthers. And, hey, Panthers defenseman Josh Mahura will be joining the sports cage tomorrow at 4.07. time for your CFL report. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have re-signed American defensive lineman Anthony Lanier. It's a one-year contract for the 2023 season worth $250,000 in hard money. So that makes the 29-year-old the highest-paid American defensive player in the Canadian Football League. He gets $100,000 as a signing bonus to stay in Saskatchewan because there were a handful of CFL teams after him when the league's negotiating window opened yesterday. The Rough Riders have also tendered. A strong multi year contract offer to pending free agent quarterback Trevor Harris, per sources from Three Down Nation. So, through 10 CFL seasons, Harris has completed 70% of his passes for 28,610 yards with 154 touchdowns to just 71 interceptions. He has seen success as a starter with the Argos, Red Blacks, Elks, and Alouettes. So we shall see where his next stop will be. Maybe it's right here in Ryderville. Elsewhere across the league, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have agreed to terms with quarterback Matthew Schiltz on a contract extension and have also extended running back Sean Thomas Erlington. And the big news that came in yesterday, Winnipeg's own is staying right at home. Nick Dembski has re-upped with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
0: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
5: Every time Saskatchewan gets in second and they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And is picked up by Suter, he runs
3: it out of bounds
0: time for press coverage as former writer, great and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation.
1: Well, this show is kicking butt because we got some great guests. Earlier in the show, we kicked it off with Jim McMahon. We've got Eddie Steele on the show, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network, and we're going to get to our next guest you heard right there, Glenn Suter, Hall of Fame broadcaster. Tomorrow, we got Rick Riz. Rick Riz of the Seattle Mariners, the Voice of the Mariners is going to join us, as will Arash Madani live from the Super Bowl. Bob Stauffer on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network, live from Detroit, Michigan, as the Oilers return from their all-star break. And Luke Mulder for a couple of spots, as is Josh Mahura. He's going to join us, the former Regina Pat, now Florida Panthers. So we got a great show lined up. Oh, did I mention the first-time Saskatchewan Provincial Curling Champ, Kyle Knapp, from the Highland Curling Club. But Very hard? Yeah, hurry, yeah. Hurry, hard. hurry hard. Let's get out to the phone line. Hurry, hurry hard with our friend Glenn Suter. Press coverage suits. You ever curl? Are you good at curling? I am
10: awful at curling. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's so weird because you watch it and you think, oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, you slide along and you let it go. And, you know, the first, we, we did it at, for fun. Uh, I think Dave Ridgway and I did it as a promo thing when we were playing. And uh, uh, I remember my first rock. Was so lacking of touch of any kind that it went all the length of the of the ice sheet and hit the backboard and came about halfway back to the middle.
3: <laughs>
10: hmm. I was like, "Okay, this is a lot." And plus, it's it's tough on your core to
1: stay balanced.
3: Yeah. So, yeah,
10: it, it's a lot tougher than looks on TV.
1: All right, let's get right down to it, Suits. Lots going on in the, uh, as Zinger likes to call it, the weasel week. It's the communication week where you can kind of cheat on other teams with their players. Uh, first off, though, a lot of teams re-signing their dudes, and the Riders get, I think, the biggest piece from their stable that would be anthony lanier the second who i thought really was the defensive catalyst till he got hurt the defense went south when he went down and marino was cut i know we differ with our thoughts on marino but you can't differ with the fact that when those two guys in the middle of the defense went down it exposes a lot of things
10: yeah and, when, and i you know the one thing we agreed on with marino was that he was a, a presence in the middle when he was you know, when he was keeping it together and staying within the rails, he he was a dominant player in there. So that was missed when when they decided to, you know, part ways. So Anthony Lanier is a is a huge one and I, I would suggest Pete Robertson too. Mm-hmm. Uh because when he got hurt and correct me if I'm wrong because you would remember better than me, Michael, but wasn't Pete Robertson hurt when it was sort of a retaliation
1: move? Yep. Uh, with the uh, Ottawa, Red Black, Ottawa Red Blacks, that's right. I think Sirocco's the guy that hit him, if I'm not... No, Boyd. Boyd was the guy that hit yeah. him. The, uh, is it Dino Boyd? I forget. It was the offensive lineman for... Yes, it was a retaliation uh, thing for the Garrett Marino situation. And uh, right. the, the dude had nine sacks, 21 tackles, five forced fumbles to tie for the league lead. There he had an interception. He's a difference maker. But it's kind of the yin and the yang. This guy, uh, Robertson... He cleaned up because everybody had to pay attention to the interior when Anthony Lanier II was wreaking havoc. So that is a good tandem signing by O'Day.
10: Yeah, I I agree. And I I think Robertson, where he is in his career, is just getting started. So uh, that's a good one. You know, I I looked at the overall. you you touched on it earlier in the show, and by the way, one day we're going to sit down and have a beverage over Jim McMahon and something. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Marshall Falk coming up for the dog's breakfast in May, and it's going to be outstanding. Anyway, that's another topic. But, um, you know, when I look at the free agents, and you, you touched on it with regards to this week where, you know, they a, a lot of players, the majority of free agent possible free agent players, they're going to wait until, because it, it, there's no reason not to almost. Like, you're you're going to wait now until you hear from other teams in this week. And then if the money's close and you're happy where you were as far as your, you know, your wife's happy, your family's happy, um, you know, you you see potential in the team, you like the coaching staff, those kind of reasons, um, then you just side back with your old team. And, you know, the two teams that were in the Cup last year, Toronto and Winnipeg, you know they signed already thirteen, fourteen guys, and people in Saskatchewan I know are going, "Hey, what's going on? We're not signing enough guys." But the Riders have signed eight, including guys like Robertson, Lanier, and and you know Jamal Morrow, Milligan, is a big one
1: Milligan's a big Milligan, one,
10: Nick Marshall too. You know whatever you think about yeah, Nick but Glenn, but Glenn, but Glenn,
1: but Glenn. But and you're probably touching on this. Sorry for cutting you off, brother, but we, the, Toronto and Winnipeg played in the frigging Grey Cup. The Riders were 6-12. and 12. How many of these guys do you want re-signed? Give me a break. That's my point. That's exactly my point. So I, I know that the Rider
10: fans are looking at it and going, well, wait a minute, you know, Toronto and Winnipeg are signing a lot of their guys back. How come we're not? Um, but first of all, that record is one of the reasons you're not. Because that the team talent wise wasn't good enough, especially when they had to, to dip into the depth a little bit because of the injury to some guys like Pete Robertson, etc. Uh, you know, we've already discussed that, like the old line. So we'll see what they do there. But but in the next few days, you'll see sort of more and more of the guys signing back with their old teams because they they look and they say, okay, I know what's out there now, and. Now the money is not that different. So which coach do I like? Which team has the best chance? Do I want to move? All of those things. It sounded like in your interview, Anthony Lanier said, hey, I I love the fans there. I've got some friends there. I enjoyed it. That was part of his decision.
1: Yeah, no, very good point. You know, so uh, Justin Duncan, Three Down Nation, had reported that Lanier is uh, the guy in terms of the highest-paid American defender. He also said the Riders made a strong offer to veteran quarterback Trevor Harris. Now, that's not a a big shocker. I, I like that idea of the quarterback's left because Matthew Schiltz is now back in Hamilton, so Dane Evans will be out there some way, either via trade with a probably a late-round draft pick or teams will just wait for him to get cut. Um how do you see the scenarios shaking down? I see, you know, if Trevor Harris comes to Saskatchewan, then I could you could see Dane Evans end up in Montreal with maybe a Cody Fajardo, a one-two punch there. Possible, yeah, you know, possible.
10: I, I, I for some reason, and I, and this again is not, I'm not an insider, so I, yeah. I, this is not inside information. But I, I just have a gut feeling that Cody ends up in BC.
3: Yeah, that's uh, I just, yeah. It feels, yeah.
10: Yeah, it feels like a good fit to me with him and VA, Vernon Adams, together on the same roster. I think that could be a good fit. Anyway, um, you know, I, again, from the outside looking in, to me, Trevor Harris, for the riders to go all in on Trevor Harris does a lot of things. It, it brings a veteran. It helps you sell tickets. Like, I mean, that's not, what, that's not how you build your team as a coach, but... It, hey, it's a great bonus if you can bring in a big-name veteran who's had over you know, 4,000 yards passing in seasons and has been to the championship game as well with that experience. So I think they're all in on Trevor Harris. And, and here's the other thing. if If somehow Trevor decides to sign in Saskatchewan, then the chances of Eugene Lewis following along just just improved tenfold.
1: Well, and you look at the money. Duke made two fifty five, Shaq made one thirty, Kyron was around a hundred thousand, so you got those those uh wages uh, that would uh, compensate for getting a Eugene Lewis. Uh, Cody was right around 500000 so that would probably be where Trevor Harris would be as money goes farther in Saskatchewan, both versus taxation between the provinces and just the fact that, in other aspects, it's it's cheaper to live here. So that's something that I was trying to, you know, I was mentioning to Bo, hey, you got to consider that, but, uh, you know, like you said, other things factor into it. I just, I love Eugene Lewis. I'd love to see Eugene Lewis. It just... I'm having a tough time reconciling putting $800,000 into two players, one guy that's 36 and one guy that's about to be 30 years old, um, when you need an offensive line. Kind of what you were saying last week. I, like, any competent, any competent, good, uh, recruiter or personnel department can get me some American receivers cheaper, can't they?
10: Yeah, I, and I'm with you. I, I think the example of of the big money that that Lawler made and is is basically backs up and supports what you're saying, which is, you know, he's he's one of six or seven targets on any given play. It, you know, can a receiver stay healthy for the entire season and contribute? Can you get 1,800 yards out of a top paid player in the league? You know, all of those things are, are the reasons that you talked about that it's it becomes more difficult. But let's say let's say, and this is a hypothetical. Let's say Trevor Harris decides in Saskatchewan. So now Eugene Lewis has. Let's say the offer from the Riders is a little bit less money wise than other teams because you know it's just like you said they're trying to find a way to balance that out in their budget. Um, but Eugene Lewis could, is taking a, a gamble to leave or even stay in Montreal without Trevor Harris and a new quarterback and a new coordinator. He's taking a gamble that he's not going to be, you know, an 1,800-yard receiver because a new quarterback is finding his way or they don't have a coordinator that, under, that, you know, that it takes a year or two to find out Eugene Lewis's strengths as far as how you you, you create the offense around him. So, you know, I I really believe that you go all in with Trevor Harris, even if you have to offer Eugene Lewis a little less than other teams to balance that budget, you still have that trump card, which is you know Trevor Harris knows Eugene. And Eugene, whatever whatever the offense, whatever the X and O's look like, Harris is going to look for Eugene Lewis. I mean, that's going to happen. We've seen it before where – You know, even Kenny Lawler didn't see the ball a whole bunch early in the season in Edmonton. You know, well, he, he came on in the second half of the season when they figured it out, but they had young quarterbacks finding their way. Trevor Harris knows Lewis.
1: Well, and two things there, too. Geno Lewis can make extra money off the field, probably more of an avenue off the field here in Saskatchewan with his great personality and with the stardom here. There's, there's ways to make money off the field. And number two, he said himself right here, since he's been in the CFL, he's worked with over 20 quarterbacks. So he's showing he can work with a bunch of different quarterbacks, but more to what you're saying, when you when you kind of got a chemistry with another guy, why would you want to change if you can hook up with them again? Well, yeah. I
10: mean, you know, Nick Dembski just signing in Winnipeg the uh, last day or two here, uh, you know, he he said without even being asked that, you know, part of the reason for it was, yeah, it's his home, but also uh, he, you know, Zach Kolaris and, and just how important having that guy that they know, he knows. The potential for him having a big, big season is so much higher with a known entity like Zach Kolaris, the quarterback than if Eugene Lewis decided to go to even to you know like a team like Edmonton or you know that guys have guys that are still young but are in year two or three that are going to be better this year. But how much better and how does how much do they know or will they lean on Eugene Lewis or will the chemistry be the same? I, I just think it, it it doesn't guarantee anything as as you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see what the guys decide, but I think the riders go all in with Trevor Harris, they try to figure out how to persuade him to make to sign on the dotted line, then chances of the of winning the Eugene Lewis sweepstakes
1: goes way up. Yeah, for sure. Hey, we'll be back with more of press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. Check them out at qualitytire.ca with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. This is the Sports Cage on this Monday for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620
0: CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Time for press coverage here. The second half of press coverage here on six twenty CKRM. Got this text at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Last year I said get rid of Fajardo and sign Harrison Masoli. They were both free agents, and you didn't even put my text on the radio. Now they're looking at Harris, eh? Well, Darrell, um, I can't say sorry, and I, I really can't. here's how I'm going to address that. Uh, during the last free agency period, I wasn't the host of the sports cage, actually. That would have been Derek Taylor that was the host of the sports cage. So why he didn't put your text on the air? I can't answer that. Moving right along to Glenn Suter. Suits, uh, Matthew Shills re-signs with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So that would tell you Dane Evans is out. We knew that already. I think that's a nice signing for Shills and the Tiger Cats. Cause I think Matthew Shields. uh, has an opportunity to develop into a pretty nice quarterback in this league but he's not ready to take over team much like mason fine
10: uh, i agreed yeah and i i really like his uh approach to the game i had a chance to talk to him i'm sure you have as well and you know listening to him in post-game interviews he, he had a couple of big wins as a uh, coming off the bench and you know got kind of emotional about his journey, and i you know I just think when a guy's all invested like that, then you cheer for him and you and you hope for the best. I mean he's gonna have you know a good quarterback in front of him to learn from a good coordinator. Uh, you know, this is this is a good situation for him, and maybe he's the next future star.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Well, the guy is 30 years old. He's been in the league for a bit, so who knows? Maybe he won't ever be a starting quarterback. But you know very well, Glenn, you need a competent backup in case something would happen to a bowl Levi Mitchell, somebody that can steer the ship and, you know, can't hurt to learn from a Hall of Famer.
10: You mean you mean uh, like Tom Burgess and Kent Austin? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly,
10: <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly, and that's why you know that's why when I start to look around and I think you know V A in B C with Cody Fajardo as his backup and maybe uh, you know you know you you take I, I don't know let's say let's say he is a true backup but has certain rundown situations where he can stay in the field. I mean that's that's intriguing me. Dane Dane in Montreal and and going and staying in the east and playing against Hamilton a few times during the year great for TV and storyline to see him with a comeback season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting in the next two weeks.
1: I really like to know what's going on with this O'Connor character. Like he, he played in, the, he played in BC against the riders, a game we were both there calling you for TSN and me for the rider radio network. And he started the game pretty well. He had 96 yards passing, um, and, and and had moved the ball down the field. And then he got smoked by Sankey and it was almost like an excuse for Rick Campbell to pull him out and he never got back on the field and, and never really played again.
10: Yeah Dominic Davis and you know, I think you know that that's another guy that's free agent. Yeah, no, Michael Connor is an interesting one. Um I, I think he has the physical skills,
3: mm-hmm.
10: um, and and I'm just you know, and I I'm speculating from just watching him. Sometimes it looks like, you know, when a young guy, whether you played at Alabama or or UBC, um, you you get out there, and, and at times it, be, it, it the stage can become too big, and at the quarterback position, there's no way you can hide. I mean, if it's if it's too big for me at free safety or for a linebacker just by hustling around and running to the ball and trying to get involved, you can cover up the fact that the stage is really starting to overwhelm you mentally. And, uh, you know, I just, sometimes I saw that with Michael O'Connor in his brief time on the field. So I, I hope he's, he's good there. And, you know, more experience will help him, uh, along that, along that, uh, that path. But, but yeah, I think physically he's got all the talent now, you know, he's, he's, He's not in the category of Trevor Harris, obviously, and that's why I, you know, I believe the Riders have to go all in there if they can get him
1: signed. I, I think probably Matthew Schiltz. Back to him for a sec because I want to tie it into Mason Fine. I think Matthew Schiltz is a guy that's going to uh, be a, a, a qual- continue to be a quality backup if you need him for a three or a four game stretch, and that's maybe the most it'll ever be. But like I said, it's valuable. Do you look at Mason Fine in that same way? He's younger. He's got maybe a little bit more of an upside. He's undersized. The, the the coach really likes how he could throw the ball all around the field. From your perspective, being the lead analyst here in Canada, watching a lot of the games, how do you feel about Mason Fine and if the Riders went with a Mason Fine and whoever's their starter?
10: Yeah, I I, I think he's got great upside potential. I I don't worry about size because I played against Doug Flutie, mm-hmm. so I I don't think size has anything to do with it. And you know you can you can be great and be small and. I, I like the way when I saw in, in a, a really small sample size, I saw him able to throw from different angles and and drop his arm and not always be technically sound but still have good zip on the ball from different angles. That reminds you of why Zach Kolaris is so good uh, when you break his game down. That's one of the reasons he has been uh, as good as he's been in the last three years. So. I, I, I think there's great upside, but some coaches will tell you that potential gets you fired because you, you somehow have to realize it and whomever the riders end up with in camp at quarterback, let's say there's five, maybe six guys there, they have to create competition, even if Trevor Harris is one of them, where Mason Fine in the in the eyes of the coaching staff, they believe that he is ready to take over for Trevor. That doesn't mean he will and that doesn't mean Trevor loses the job. But you got to have that guy behind you. I remember in training camps so many times Michael having, you know, guys that were were all stars in the states and division 1 football from Alabama and Oklahoma and they'd come up and they'd be behind me on the depth chart at free safety and I, and I I knew if I just faltered even a little bit If I missed one if I busted one coverage in practice, that these guys would take over because they've got big names, they're great athletes, and you just gotta be, you know, you gotta be on top. Competition does that. So I think Mason Fine has a great upside. It's just a matter of he's gotta realize it like sooner rather than later.
1: This has been press coverage for this Monday suits. We'll check in with you again on Thursday, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Coming up on the other side, Coach Craig Dickinson. Lots going on in Rider Nation. We'll get to it. It is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the Riders Bench Boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. Welcome back to the Sports
1: Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited and our Craig Dickinson spot brought to you by our great friends over there at McDougal Auctioneers. You want to get in the auction business, something buying or selling? Hook up with McDougal Auctioneers. All right, Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Are you burning the uh, midnight oil here on Zinger? My producer calls it Weasel Week. It's a chance for it's a chance for teams to talk to other teams' players. It almost feels dirty, but I actually like it for the players. They can kind of feel how everybody else feels about them. Yeah, I uh, I'm not staying up
11: too late, Michael. I was up late last night. Jeremy and I both. And uh, hats off to Jeremy because he signed Anthony Lanier back, and that's a huge, huge piece for us and uh, something that was a real, real important for us going into this next year. So uh, big win for us last night, late. Uh, that went down, but other than that, we've had normal business hours, Michael, and um, it's kind of a fun week because you get a chance to pick up the phone and visit with a guy that you might not normally get a chance to visit with. So uh, it's been, been a good couple of days.
1: So from your aspect, before we get into linear, from your aspect when you're talking with guys, now imagine you're sitting in the room with O'Day when you're making some of these calls, uh, character is something we heard a lot from you. Culture is something we heard a lot from you. Can you get a read on a dude in terms of talking to him, or you talk to him and then you do a little background check with some guys that know him? Yeah, it's hard to get a feel for
11: culture or, or or character from just a phone call with a guy, so we usually do a little bit more digging and call his, his college coach, call some guys that he's worked with. It's hard to call coaches on the team he's at right yeah. now, you know, because they're not going to give you probably a straight answer, so you got to try to dig a little bit, go back to when he was in university and tried to visit with some of those folks and, and visit with teammates. That's another big one, Michael. If, mm-hmm. if you've got guys on your team that have played with one of these guys, you ask them, what do you think about him? Is he a good dude? Is he a guy that you want to be around? Is he a guy that you think would add to the locker room?
1: Just in general, what do you like about Trevor Harris's game? Just in general, because right, he's still under contract, technically. I know sure. maybe you could talk yeah. to him. What do you like about him?
11: I think he, I think he's a solid veteran quarterback who has been there and done that knows what it takes to be successful, uh, is intelligent, is tough, uh, appears to be a charismatic leader and, and physically looks like he's, he's just as good now as he's ever been. I think he's really bought into training and trying to get himself right. And, um, you know, looks like, looks like he's, uh, in great shape and, and, uh, and playing some of his best football right
3: now. Mm.
1: You know, when you're looking at a veteran, how much, how much does it weigh in? Hey, I mean, you got to win now. You guys got to win now. You know you got to win now. I know you got to win now. You're bringing a Trevor Harris. And, uh, you know, do you see enough in a Mason Fine that you think, okay, this guy could uh, be a, at least a, a very competent backup and, and can benefit from a veteran guy like a Trevor Harris?
11: Yeah, we, we feel like we need to sign a veteran quarterback, but we also feel like the guys we have on our roster are good football players and maybe just need a little more of a chance. Um, so we feel good about Mason. We feel good about Dolagala, uh, We've got a couple other guys that we've signed. Uh, Levi Lewis is on the team. And so we feel like we've done, you know, done some good work in terms of scouting in the States and finding good quarterbacks. And then we just want to make sure they get an opportunity in training camp to go out there and and show what they can do.
1: Would I be right to say you guys spent a lot of money on receivers the last couple of years and, you know... Uh, there are factors that weigh into it, but it didn't really pan out in terms of uh, spending the big dough on receivers. And You've talked about having an identity, and you want to be physical up front. We'll talk about the defensive side in a second. But I'd be fair to say, looking at the free agents on the market, they're like 15 to 17. We might be uh, earmarking a lot of our cash to upgrade that offensive line, because nothing works if you don't have the heartbeat of the football pumping.
11: You would be accurate in saying that. I will confirm that what you just said Michael is what we've talked about and uh no, there's got to be you know there's got to be quality players there to go get and there's got to be mutual interest but our our priority this off season is to get better up front
1: no doubt and have you identified at least on the list cuz I'm you're a smarter football man than me I've looked at a few names and I'm like okay that'd be an interesting one. like there are some guys out there
11: yep there's some guys out there and not not a ton you know cuz everybody realizes the importance of being good on the o line and most teams have re-signed the guys so uh, but there's a few there's a few out there and there's there's a couple real real uh, attractive names at the top and, and we've reached out to them
1: and what about circling back to a guy like Dan Clark who has been a warrior for this team I know he's working as a team ambassador I could see him as a team ambassador slash assistant O-line coach eventually but I don't know if he wants to give up playing what what do those talks look like?
11: Yeah we've talked to Dan and you know we we've, we've told him we're going to look around a little bit and and see what's out there, but we're never going to close the door on a guy like Dan. He's, he's a you know he's a, you know, Rough Rider for life, if you want to say it. And, and whether he's on the team or in in the stands or, or coaching or being an ambassador, he's always going to be associated with the Rough Riders. So, we'll see. You know, I, I I said this a lot when it came to the quarterback. I'll say it with 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 Dan. You you don't want to uh, you know move on from someone until you feel like you get somebody better. And, and Dan still is. A good a good quality football player and a guy that that still can contribute.
1: Coach, anything up with the uh two coaching positions yet? I know you said you wanted to have something announced before free agency here right around the corner. Time the runways running out.
11: Yeah. Yeah, we've hired a receivers coach and we've hired a D line coach.
1: Oh nice. Um
11: so we'll announce that in the in the next couple of weeks. But uh I'll give I'll give you a little bone here. The receivers coach is gonna be Drew Tate. Uh, oh wow. Yeah guy that was a quarterback in this league for a long time Mm -hmm. coaching down in the U.S. and he's he's indicated he wants to come back to Saskatchewan and help us win and so we've offered him the job, and
1: he has accepted awesome thanks for that drew Tate so that's some good news here on the sports cage uh coach back to Lanier I had Luke Mulliner, both uh, both of us were uh, very uh, adamant that this guy Anthony Lanier the second if he would have stayed healthy could have been your defensive player of the year no disrespect to sank you had one hundred and twenty tackles in the regular season but Anthony Lanier the second a game changer we saw that no Lanier the second no Garrett Marino. we talked about this before it Expose some warts on your defense.
11: Yeah, he's really good and and really, really an energetic and enthusiastic guy. One of these guys that when he comes into the room, everybody knows he's here. He's loud and boisterous and and always upbeat and positive. So we're thrilled to have Anthony back. He's he's earned he's earned the big contract and and he knows uh, he knows we expect great things from him this year. And we're real excited to get him back. He really probably. Uh, best news I've, I've heard in a long time was when Jeremy was able to get that done last night.
1: Well, it's pretty nice, too, that he got a running mate with him in um, Pete Robertson, who uh, missed four games but still was a league leader in forced fumbles, interception, 21 tackles, nine sacks. Uh, he he cleans up when Lanier is forcing it in the middle.
11: Yeah, Pete's a good one, too. So, no, we certainly want to tip our hat to Pete as well. So, we feel like this week's been good already. You know, we signed Pete a couple of days back, we got Anthony signed. So there's two, two real good defensive linemen, and we we've, we've talked all along about trying to make sure we're as good as we can be up front. And we feel good about some of the guys we got under contract. So. Uh, so far, so good in Ryderland. Things are looking good right
1: now. Coach, thanks for this, man. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Sounds good. We'll see you, bud. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us, as he does each Monday on the Western Pizza Hotline for McDougal Auctioneers. Coming up, the voice of the Minnesota Twins on their radio network, Corey Provis, here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. <laughs>
3: I love it This is the
1: song the Minnesota Twins take to the field With when they uh, play at home Target Field and the voice of the Minnesota Twins Corey Prove is joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline Thanks for taking my call Pleasure to meet you
12: it is uh thrilled to be on. Thanks for the invite and uh pleasure to be on your show.
1: I uh, pick up the signal from uh, 710 KXMR in Bismarck when I'm driving around on my uh, AM radio when uh, I don't find anything worth listening to on 620 CKRM. Well, I have always find something worth listening to here, but what I mean is when Twins Baseball is on. So it's great to hear your voice with Dan Gladden. Interesting off season for the uh, Twins. Carlos Correa is gone, and then he's not. That's kind of crazy.
12: Fascinating. I mean, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine about it uh, about 10 minutes ago. Uh, and a wild turn of events. Uh, obviously, you know, the Yankee. I'm sorry, the Mets and the, and the Giants and their medical staff had issues with the ankle that he hurt when he was in the minor leagues. And that probably, you know, raised some flags about the duration of the contract. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I, I think it worked out incredibly well for the Twins uh, less money and they locked him up for his prime years. And I'm sure that any doubts about that ankle Mm -hmm. were more towards the back half of those contracts that they, that they tried to sign him uh, for. So to have, you know, Carlos locked up for his prime years, six years, uh, hopefully the ankle is not much of an issue and we can just kind of look back. It was a, what was a great career as a Minnesota twin.
1: I, uh, no, the Blue Jays are here. I, I don't hate the Blue Jays. I don't like the Blue Jays. I'm a Padres fan because of Tony, uh, Tony Gwynn, Corey. And I was a mm-hmm. Twins fan uh, from 91 with the World Series champions, Kirby Puckett and the gang. Love the Minnesota Twins. are the closest Major League Baseball team to us here in Regina. So it's kind of why I have an affection for the Twins. Who who is your favorite player growing up? I like the Padres because of Tony Gwynn. Who Who did you like growing up? Illinois, right? You were I mean, born I'm in Illinois, the,
12: right? Yeah, I'm from the Chicagoland area, so I grew up a diehard, diehard Cubs fan. Uh so my for, I was born in nineteen seventy eight. But my first team that I just, you know, fell in love with was the eighty four Cubs. Um, you know, guys like Ryan Sandberg and, and Larry Boa and Rick Sutcliffe and, and Lee Smith and Leon Durham, that eighty Jody Davis and Ron Say and Gary mm-hmm. Matthews. So the eighty four Cub team was my was my big draw, uh just growing So I loved Ryan Sandberg, you know, I was a big Mark Race fan in the nineteen nineties. I love Sean Dunstan. So that that was my uh, that was my team growing
1: up. I can rub it in. My Padres beat uh, your Cubs in the NLCS '84, yeah. and that Leon one
12: Durham that ball that went right five hole. <laughs> right? right? That ball that went five hole on Leon Durham there at first base.
1: That's right. Yeah, that
12: r- that's right. Sad Tony... moment. Sad moment.
1: Yeah, and Tony. Well, great for me. Tony Gwynn and those beautiful brown yeah. unis went to the World Series and lost to the Tigers. Hey, the Minnesota Twins. I like what they did. Pitcher catcher here. You got Pablo Lopez. That's a nice trade uh, from the Marlins. Tell me about that a good right-handed starter
12: yeah young guy and he's he's under team control for a couple of years and you know he, he had some shoulder injuries in the past but hopefully we, we focus on that because when the guy's right you know he's he could be a number two number three starter but he has the guy he has you know stuff he's got a great changeup, off speed stuff will play um you know he doesn't strike out the, the number that I always look at I think is pretty important in today's game about starters is more strikeouts than innings, and Lopez doesn't have that. He's not too far off that, but he doesn't he doesn't have more strikeouts than innings. At least did not, you know, focus on that last year. But I, I think the the Twins have had, as you would know, that the Twins have had the darndest time drafting and developing their own starting pitching. They look at their starting staff now. You know, all these guys for, for the most part were acquired in trades or free agents. So that just kind of speaks to how how much of a struggle it's been to just find these guys internally. So they've had to develop, you know, you know, position players. And that's been the commodity that they've been able to move to try and improve their team and, and, and pick up some starting pitching. So I, I think, you know, seeing Luis Sarai's leave was certainly tough because he was such a great player, batting champion, lovable guy, but uh, you know, to get something, you have to give up something. And so the twins had a really good starting pitcher added to their group. They had to part ways with, with a great player though.
1: All right, and then of course with the rule changes, I think this will be important. You got Christian Vasquez coming here. He's one, He's a really good defensive catcher, and with those rule changes, that could be an important addition for the Twins.
12: I think so. I think you know the Twins are going to play the Royals 14 times. That that's a team that flies. They have got nothing but speed up and down that lineup, and you've got to have a guy that can give your team a chance to throw out a base runner with the size of the bases increasing. From 15 to 18 inches, that's going to help. That Those teams that do feature speed, I think you will see a bit more uh, of a running game. I'm not saying the Twins will have that. That's just not really who they are, but I think you'll see guys run more, and you have to have the ability to throw out some guys, and, and, Va- and Vasquez certainly can do that. Ryan Jeffers, that was not a strength of his game last year. Dom, though, at Twins Fest a few weeks ago, he said that's where he spent a lot of time, this offseason, working on his throwing So he's going to try to prove a lot of people wrong because uh, I think part of the addition of, of Vasquez was to fortify, you know, their, their game calling, but certainly the throwing aspect, something that Ryan Jeffers doesn't hasn't really featured in the past, but he probably used that as some motivation to get ready for 2023.
1: Speaking of the rules, Corey Provis, uh, are you a purist? Do you uh, do you like some of these rule changes? The pitch clock, uh, you know, varies in terms. Of, I think it's 14 seconds and then 18 seconds of a runner's on. You can only go back to to uh, to the you know to throw back to first a couple of times, uh, and, and then of course the shift too. And then you mentioned the bases. Do you like one over the other? Do you like any of them?
12: I love the pitch clock. I just think the game needs it, and um, the game has gotten so so boring and so long at times, and mm-hmm. far too often times. Not always that way, but at times, baseball can just be that dull and that boring. And so, I think the pitch clock was was needed, and I think that's going to help immensely. You know, the, the stolen base idea, or the the bases, you know, changing in, in terms of size. I'm intrigued by it because uh, I do like the stolen base aspect. I'm not saying you're going to see you know, uh, you know, Max Kepler run more because of it, but maybe I'll, I'll be wrong. The, the shift, it, to me, it made sense. I mean, hitters develop patterns. You put guys where the, the hitter most often hits the ball. So, to me, hitters never changed. I mean, hitters were dead set on, I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to pull the ball with power, and it's okay if I strike out because my next at bat, I may have a two-run double. And so with that, and and the philosophy of the swing changed, and it changed, and we mentioned Tony Gwynn. Nobody would have ever shifted on Tony Gwynn. Nobody would have ever done that. That guy would have peppered the ball all over the ballpark, something Luis Arise has an ability to do. So, you know, it's easier for me to say from the booth, but I wish hitters would have adapted more uh, a little bit and have maybe two or three different swings, not always have the A swing, the swing for the downs, but at times, shorten up two strikes, put the ball in play, Uh, That, to me, I thought would have been more prevalent than it has been. But I'm I'm certainly open-minded because I I just think the game needs a jolt. It needs a jolt of excitement. I've got young kids. They're 7 and 9. And as much as they love being at the ballpark, they they have a hard time watching baseball on TV because of the pace, because of how long it takes, the lack of action. So if these decisions were made to create action and to shorten the game, I can live with that. I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded to see how this is going to play out.
1: Right around the corner, the pitchers and catchers start to report. Can't wait. Uh, this has been a great chat, and I'd love to call on you again, Corey, if I can.
12: Can we talk Andrew Albers next time? I do.
1: I do. Ab- I absolutely want to talk your guy for sure, uh, and I won't <laughs> wait that long to call you again, okay? Uh Sounds thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Corey Provis joining us here, voice of the Minnesota Twins on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on six twenty CKRM. All right, back with your sports ticker. It's
6: 5.31 here on Monday's edition of the Sports Cage. And this edition of the Sports Ticker is brought to you by Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Saskatchewan Roughriders have signed American defensive lineman Anthony Lanier II to a one year contract extension. Anthony joined us on the sports cage earlier on. If you missed that conversation, you can find it on demand wherever you find your podcasts. Super Bowl week, Chiefs activated running back Clyde Edwards helaire from injured reserve today. They also placed wide receiver McCole Hardman on that very same list. Six games in the National Hockey League tonight. The Calgary Flames are in the Big Apple getting set to take on the Rangers. The lonely Canucks are in New Jersey. The Coyotes host the Wild, and an all-Florida matchup tonight in South Beach with the Tampa Bay Lightning visiting the Florida Panthers. Panthers defenseman Josh Mahara will be joining the sports cage tomorrow at 4:07.
9: Tanner Hall ahead for Bernard, potential breakaway. He's all
1: alone. Bernard to the net, backhander scores. This is Pat Chat, and it's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House in Regina and Moose Jaw. Of course, the Super Bowl is Sunday. We encourage you to head down there to watch the big game. NHL, the second half of the season, kick it off today so you can get all your NHL action under one roof at the CBH plus their outstanding menu. The Regina Pats are holding their second team signing event of the season at the Brand Center tomorrow from 6 until 8. The free event gives fans the opportunity to collect signatures from all the rostered players and snap a picture if they so choose. A complimentary team photo will be available for all fans upon entry into the event, which they may also get signed by the players. In addition to the team photo, fans may bring one personal item to get signed. Just one personal item, and it will be strictly enforced so as to ensure a smooth and timely event. Entrance to the event, to the west side of the Brand Center only. West entrance doors will be open. At 5 p.m., the Pats are coming off a 5 1 loss to Medicine Hat last night, where uh, Connor Bedard had the only goal of the game for Regina, his 45th of the year, and to no one's surprise, another sold out road arena. To watch the Bedard Road Show, this has been Pat Chat.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Thanks to Andrew Sherritt Limited for getting on board with the show. Really appreciate them providing HVAC plumbing and irrigation supplies since 1892 in Western Canada. Text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, 936-6262. That's the number to, uh, text. Or you could also, um, Call that number locally if you want to talk some sports or 1-866-767-0620, toll free. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. I want to point out that the Heart and Stroke Foundation, once again, is going to be the benefactors of Have a Heart Night, the Pats. And Western Pizza teaming up for the 25th year in a row. Pat's players will be at all locations helping to take orders and deliver pizza around town. And all delivery fees and tips donated to the Have a Heart Cause for the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Saskatchewan. Let's head out on the Western Pizza hotline. This guy his own foundation, Tyrone Pool Foundation. Tyrone Pool, two-time Super Bowl champ. Before we get to that, Tyrone, what... Is your foundation all about? Because you've uh, you changed your Twitter handle. Tell me what the foundation's all about, buddy.
13: Hey, Michael. Thanks again for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. Hello to all of my Canadian friends north of the border. This is Tyrone. I'm coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Tyrone Poole 38 Foundation serves uh, the basic three uh, pillars of most nonprofits. Uh, there's the fitness. Uh, there's the humanitarian effort, and then there's the education effort uh but every foundation has a heartbeat okay uh those things three things I just named they're just part of the body but the heart every foundation has a heartbeat, and my heartbeat is for the family and what I try to do is uh create family events uh father and daughter um, uh father and son, mother and son, mother and daughter uh because I feel like if we can bring the mother and father. Uh, together. Uh, if they are separated, you know, bring them together. If they're not separated, but bring them even closer. Because I feel like uh, the mother and the father are the closest, are the closest to God that a child will see on this earth. Because God is in the male and God is in the female. So we only have one parent home then that child only sees one side of God. When you have both of the parents, whether they're together or not together, then that child is able to see God in his his wholeness, in his wholeness. So um, that's what I want. I want the kids to have a, you know, I want to have a better future. Shoot, when I get 60, 70, 80 years old, man, I'm like, I want the young people now to be able to make decisions where they say, hey, you know what, we're going to take care of grandma and grandpa. I don't want the kids to get so old or get young and become power and power, and they say, Hey, you know what? forget Mom and Dad. They have their time it's my time so uh we, in order for us to fix the, the future, we got to instill foundational principles now, so my foundation tyrone pool thirty eight foundation uh that's what I do, and they can find Tyrone any more information, you can go to tyrone pool thirty eight foundation dot o rg. pool 38 foundation.org. Give you your time, donate your time, donate your talent, donate your treasure. Okay, all of it helps us to build champions. Locally and globally in Canada, uh, I would love to come to Canada so and do some stuff up there in Canada.
1: Well, while we're working on it, buddy. I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to dot the eyes and cross the t's. This guy is a motivational speaker. He's uh, into fitness and supplements and uh, an actor too. We've talked about that before. Okay, so the Super Bowl is upon us. You've played in this game, winning yeah. two, winning two of them. Uh, you've got a Philadelphia Eagles team led by Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. Who haven't been here before in this setting? You got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and those kind of guys. Christian Jones—they've been here before a couple of times. To be the third time in four years. Tyrone Poole, take me. Let's let's put you in your shoes, your cleats for the first one. Was it overwhelming? What was it like the first one?
13: Uh, you know, be honest to a player. uh it seems like another game. It seems like another game. Come on. It they uh,
1: can't it, seem like another yes, Really? Uh, yes, it does.
13: And, and, and this is what I mean by that. The preparation doesn't change. Uh, the things we do during the week doesn't change. Uh, so everything stays consistent. So there's nothing, nothing to make you think that it's something special. Uh, if you are a team that wins a lot, even during the regular season – The media coverage is not as much as the Super Bowl, but you still get that attention. Uh, Your name is being called on television. So there's nothing really that makes you say, whoa, whoa. So the Patriots, that organization, of course, they had gone to a Super Bowl prior. And I was one game away from the Super Bowl a couple of times. So I've been in that environment. So uh, it really didn't hit me that we won the Super Bowl until after the game was played. Other than that, I just saw it as another game. Yes, it's more reporters, it's the, the, the flashbubs, the fans. It's a, it's a great, grand event. But when I stepped on that field, Michael, it was like it was another game.
1: Okay, so... uh That's the first Super Bowl. When you went to your next Super Bowl, uh, you knew what to expect. So where I'm going with this is, do you think Kansas City has an advantage experience-wise over the Philadelphia Eagles?
13: You know, I I think, honestly, the team that comes in the most focused and stays within the lines... You know, we, you know when I say lines, sometimes we have a uh, coloring book, right? Everybody have a color in the coloring book? And as long as you stayed inside the lines, your picture came out perfect. But once you start getting outside the lines, then you start changing uh, the imagery of the picture. Okay, let me stop so you.
1: I- let, let me stop you. Let me stop you. And not to be rude, but I want to, I want to, I want to dive down here because the thing we always hear—I've heard it from you, I've heard it for, uh, from from others—Bill Belichick, his one. If you if you remember one thing about Bill Belichick, it is do your job. But isn't that the case? Like, isn't that what every NFL team would adhere to? Do your job. Like, why why is that a Patriots thing? And other people decide to color outside the lines.
13: I, I don't think it's a Patriots thing. I think it's a focus thing. It's a focus thing. Okay, which team can stay focused the longest? Uh, That's the team that is going to make the plays at the end when it really counts. It's like track and field. You know, no one is getting faster, people. Believe it or not, I'm about to give you guys a little bit of tip here (laughs) about track and field, okay? You guys have some great sprinters come out of the Canadian sprinters. No one is getting faster. What it is, is the deceleration. Uh, That's what you got to hold off, okay? The longer it takes for you to decelerate, that means the longer you can keep your top-end speed. So when other people are decelerating, getting slower, you're able to maintain your speed so it makes it look like you're pulling away or you're catching up. It's just that you are holding off that deceleration and able to hold your acceleration longer. So in sports, again, any sport, whether it's football, those teams that come from behind, those are the teams that literally keep their focus, they don't let the outside circumstances make them start panicking and they start drawing outside the lines of the cover book. So uh, that is the difference. Everybody's doing their job, but who can do their job the longest while being focused the longest?
1: This is Tyrone Poole joining us here on the Western pizza hotline. Another question before we uh, go to break and, and continue with our chat. Um so, Andy Reid has an extra week to prepare. You know, an extra week will help Patrick Mahomes rest. I know uh, Travis Kelsey had a wonky back, but let's be honest, everybody's hurt at this time of year. But that extra week, do you not do you not think that plays in Andy Reid's favor? He is a uh, he's a mastermind when it comes to drawing up plays and doing some wacky things.
13: Yeah, you know, I think this extra week plays advantage for both. Other teams, are, like you said, allows them to get healthy. And uh, whether it's the Eagles or the Chiefs, pretty much Andy Reid doesn't have to call on other head coaches that have been in the Super Bowl to say, hey, what is it like? How did you do your practices? Whereas the Eagles, they may have to call on some other veteran coaches. How did you handle this practice? How did you handle the media? What did you do the night before the game, the day before the game? So, Yes, it's an advantage for uh, the Chiefs and Andy Reid. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come up with some type of uh, spectacular uh, formation that the Eagles have not seen. And, uh, yes, it's going to work a couple of times, but then the Eagles are going to make the adjustments. That's why they are in the Super Bowl, because they made a lot of adjustments during the season, during the playoffs, to get to where they are. So, yeah, look for Andy Reid to have have some type of trickery uh, come Super Bowl.
1: When we come back, we'll continue our uh, conversation with two time Super Bowl champ Tyrone Poole. We got a great text from Terry in Montana. He wants to ask your thoughts on conspiracy theories as it relates to the NFL, Tyrone. So hang on tight. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
6: This Day in Sports History brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. February 6, 2011, Aaron Rodgers throws three touchdown passes and Nick Collins returns an interception for another score, leading the Green Bay Packers to a 31-25 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl forty-five.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to
1: the Sports Cage. Great segment we've done every Monday with this guy, Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ. Who said, you know what? I'd called him once, and he's like, Why didn't you call me last Monday? I'm like, Well, I didn't know you wanted me to. Yeah, I want to come on every week. So, and I'll tell you what, you want to get this guy for a motivational speaker in here, either for corporations or to uh, talk to sports teams and youth, he's the guy to uh, to get a hold of, and you can get a hold of me, and I'll hook you into Tyrone Poole. So, Tyrone, I got a text from Terry in Montana, 936-6262. Tyrone! A lot of talk, a lot of conspiracy talk in this world, politics and things like that. It's even crept into the NFL, Terry said. Could you talk about the NFL being scripted in regards to who's going to win each game? Like, is that a, is that, that can't be true is what Terry is saying. Uh, you know, it's, the NFL doesn't, like, for instance, go back. I think the officials
12: were awful.
1: They were terrible in that Cincy KC game. We talked about that already. But I don't think somebody from NFL head office going, okay, we need KC in the Super Bowl.
13: Yeah, I, I don't believe that either. Uh, but I do think a lot of fans look at certain, um, you know, uh, calls. And I think the Kansas City uh, Cincinnati game, it was probably uh with Patrick Mahomes was scrambling and he goes out of bounds and uh the flag is thrown and uh me personally uh you know I don't think the flag should have been thrown but I think what made that play look worse than what it was uh when I went back and examined it um the linebacker fifty eight I believe uh stepped on uh Mahomes mm-hmm. back foot and that caused him to fall. So when he had his arms extended and they were out of bounds, and by stepping on his foot, now the referee can't see that. All he sees, the arms extended and Mahomes going down uh, to the ground. So, you know, visually, okay, that's roughing the passer. But if he could probably go back and look at the whole scenario, which these referees cannot do that. They have to see it, eyeball it, unless it's a call that has to go to replay. Other than that, they got to eyeball it. And I think that's what he saw uh, but did see the linebacker's foot trip Mahomes up and he failed. But I don't think the NFL goes out and uh, just determines what, what team is going to win. Uh, I've never been a part of anything like that, and I played for twelve years. I haven't had a coach come to me and say, "Hey, guys, uh, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to make this play. They can make that call." And again, I understand that you know the NFL has gone into uh, signing contracts with the uh, gambling casinos and everything like that. And you know, gambling has always been a part of sports not only just football i think the nfl just said hey we're gonna make it legal uh just like uh, uh, the prohibition days you know when they you know moon shining people moon shining mm-hmm. so the government said hey you know what let's go ahead and make it legal so we can tax these guys and get more money so uh but i don't think they were going out trying to tell people hey go make liquor go make liquor So, but hey. I understand where the fans are coming from. And, uh, you know, it's tough when your favorite team loses by a technicality. Mm -hmm. And it's very tough. But I don't think the NFL is just, you know, determining who's going to win and lose. The guys still got to go out there and, uh, you know, play
1: play it's great it's great to have you it's great to have you on here tyrone because it can pick your brain about things that none of us will ever uh you know at the halftime show uh we're we're seeing who's playing we're getting our chips refilling our booze at our house here whatever people do you know what i mean uh kibitz it's it's a longer halftime so the games i might buy your narrative that hey it's just another game but the halftime just isn't another halftime it's longer so how do you manage that in the locker room
13: Yeah, now that is going to be something that uh, the Eagles are going to have to adjust to because normally it's like a 15-minute halftime or something like that. It's less than 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, So uh, now they're going to have to pretty much go longer. Mm -hmm. But now the guys are going to have to find some kind of way to keep, remember I said that focus, that focus. So they've got to do something to keep that focus. And I'm pretty sure the coaches with the Eagles have told the guys that. Uh, But to to be told something and then to experience it is something else. Uh, So this is where the Chiefs can really, the second half, if that's going to be a turnaround where the Chiefs can really take advantage, I think that's where the Chiefs can really either increase their lead or catch up with the Eagles if the Eagles happen to have a lead because of that lengthy Mm halftime. The Chiefs have been there, and they know how to handle that.
1: All right, so... It's just another game tyrone Poole, two time champ but you've been now where were your two super Bowls when you were uh uh, uh where where did you play your super Bowls what cities uh,
13: we played the first we played the first one in
1: uh Houston right <laughs> And the second one was in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, Jacksonville. So, yeah. so we're not talking, we're not talking L.A. and Vegas here. But well, you know, uh, it is a, it is a busy time. Lots going around. You talk about focus on the field. What about focus off the field? Like, uh, did your? You, I, I'm, I'm assuming a Bill Belichick team didn't get wrapped up in all the pop and pageantry, but th- that could be a factor, couldn't it? The off the field stuff.
13: Well, really, uh, it's, it's not Michael to be honest. With you. Oh. They have us on lockdown. They have us on lockdown. We have a steady regiment. Um, actually, in the hotels this is something else that the fans who are listening get an opportunity to get firsthand information. Uh, but during the Super Bowl week, uh, we have a specific hotel that we stay in, and then on top of that, um, we uh, really the family. The families are like maybe a hotel away. So they're like right across the street at another hotel. But we uh, have uh, any of our going to the buses to go to practice or to maneuver through the hotel, we actually take the service elevator. We take the service elevator. And I remember in the Super Bowl, uh, they had a yellow uh, tape on the floor. So that all we had to do is get off the service elevator, and if we were going to the buses, uh, we would just follow the yellow tape uh, to the buses. And anybody, the fans – uh that were in the hotel uh they never saw us they never saw us so that's how they kept us protected that's how they kept uh us from being distracted so we always did everything behind the scenes but we were in the same hotel as probably somebody a fan that was going to the game but the fans never saw us unless we came down to go and visit our families in the lobby Mm-hmm. But most of the guys who were kind of like the superstars, they kind of kept themselves secretly hidden. And wherever they had to go meet their families, that's where they went. But uh, they, you know, the fans never really saw us in the hotel or your favorite player that you would probably mm-hmm. come to the hotel to see. They allowed us to use the back service areas of the hotel to navigate uh, to the buses so that we can go to practice and come back to the hotels, go to meetings and everything like that. So we were very secure and safe.
1: So, uh, so tell me, uh, who got your? T- how many tickets did you get and who got your tickets?
13: Uh, you know, it's always family. Family. I'm like, they give us two tickets. Uh, two tickets. Uh, and then everything else you got to buy. You know, um, uh, they give them to us uh, basically out at face value. We get them at face value. Now, if you're a fan buy tickets from somewhere else of course you know they're going to jack it up but they give the tickets to us at face value so uh depending on where you're playing at uh, if you're playing at home then get ready to come out your wallet your bank account you know so you want to be playing on the road so to speak uh, not in your own hometown when you are playing in the Super Bowl. But even then, you, you know, the bigger your family, the more airline tickets you got to get, uh, hotel stays. So it can be, a uh, very expensive, Michael, uh, to get into the Super Bowl. So that's why you better win it because you don't want to lose it. And I got to say this too, guys. They do give out a second place runner up ring. Okay. But nobody wears that thing. Because at the end of the day, it's like Ricky Bobby said in Talladega Nights. I love saying this. Ricky Bobby said, if you're not first, you're last. So if you don't win the Super Bowl, you're last. Who wants to wear that second place ring, okay? It's just a reminder that you came in last. So I don't want to wear that thing.
1: I'd throw that away. Hey, were you a puker? Were you a puker before the game? Like, did you get, were, did, were you anxious? I watched, uh, JJ Watt in the hard knocks in season with the Cardinals and he sits at his locker. He's eating an energy bar. He's throwing a little, like, little ball back and forth in his hands. What did you do before the game in between at halftime? Did you get nervous? Did you throw up?
13: Yeah, well, I was a urinator. I guess maybe because I was saturated I was saturating my making sure that I didn't cramp up during the game. So I would probably get up and go to the to the to the to the bathroom about about three or four times more than normal. Uh, because, you know, you get the adrenaline going, the nerves get going, the kidneys get overactive and uh, you find yourself taking as they would say, uh, the head coach would say, Okay, he would walk through the locker room, all right, it's time for that last pregame restroom break so Mm -hmm. uh, you better go do it because once we need a locker room we're out there on that field so go do your last pre-game bathroom business uh uh but no i i just listened to music uh after that and um looked at my playbook uh you know meditated and uh went out there on the field and hey uh hear that music pumping you up oh man there's nothing like it, and then the greatest thing I propose with this—I know we come to the end of the show—but the greatest moment of any football game, especially the Super Bowl, um, and I hope that I know the weather's going to be good in Arizona, so they're going to have the, the stadium open. The best feeling as a player, and I'm pretty sure the fans have experienced this too, is when they do the flyover. They do the flyover, man, and, them, and those jets be so low, they low enough to where you can just feel the energy coming out of the jet, and it just it just gets, oh man, my hands are standing up on my skin right now, just thinking about that feeling of that flyover, so oh. after that, you put the helmet on, man, and it's time to go.
1: What about running out of the tunnel? What about running out of the tunnel for the Super Bowl?
13: Uh, that's great too, you know, and especially if you are the team that's being called, uh, but we, when we went as the Patriots, we went out as a team. That yeah. was our theme, team. So we went out as a team. Even though they called our names individually, we went out as a team. So I never really got the opportunity to come out of the, out of the tunnel, you know, to my name. Uh, they called my name. I think they introduced our defense. And, uh, yes, no, they introduced our offense. So I never got my name called. But we came out as a team.
1: It's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on winning two Super Bowls and what you're doing off the field. Once again, plug that foundation before we let you go. Oh, Pool 38
13: uh, foundationorg uh, give your time, your talent, your treasure uh, we are a 501c3 organization which means we are tax deductible according to the laws in your state uh, your country and help us to build champions locally and globally it takes teamwork it takes teamwork to turn this world around to turn people's lives around so join the team let's partner up and let's change people's lives. Let's oh, work that
1: thing. Okay, twenty seconds or less. Give me your which teams winning the Super Bowl, Eagles or Chiefs?
13: Kansas City Chiefs, man. I'm like, you know, number 10. Watch out for that running back, number 10. I don't know I don't know his name.
1: Pacheco. Right? Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, yeah.
13: Pacheco. He is gonna be the X Factor. Believe me, he's gonna be the X Factor. I'm going with the
1: Chiefs. All right, man. Thanks for your time. We'll see if you're right. Take care, Tyrone. All right, Michael. Thank you, guys. What other show in Regina starts with a Super Bowl champ, a two-time Super Bowl champ, Jim McMahon, ends with a two-time Super Bowl champ, Tyrone Poole, Glenn Suter, Anthony Lanier, Coach Dickey, Mike Kelly, so much in between. Check it out in podcast form tomorrow. we got a great show lined up, another seven or eight guests. The number one sports show in Saskatchewan is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source 620 CKRM.